from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. We're live from Brooklyn. We're in the BK. This is our third show that we've done from Brooklyn this week. We are live down here during the ACC Men's Basketball tournament as well as championship week as a whole and it is an honor and a privilege to be able to not only have wake up call on the airwaves but to be able to bring wake up call to your city to your town to your area so we're happy to be back in brooklyn for the second year and i want to thank the bk for showing us some love it's my grandmother's stomping grounds on my dad's side so and and atlantic avenue where the barclays center is is it's the same street that she grew up on. It's a, it's a very long street. goes all the way to the airport. But uh, Grandma grew up on Atlantic Avenue. So shout out to you, Gammy, and I, I love you very much. With that being said, let's jump into the morning menu because there is a very, very hefty amount of interviews we're doing today. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu that is live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, I'm on the line right now with Ryan Hall, the head coach of the Syracuse Silver Knights. We have so much coming up in today's broadcast. We have Ryan right now, and then for the first time ever, Syracuse Orange alum and 2003 national champion Craig Forth will be joining us at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. And then throughout the show, you'll hear from uh, Louisville's Ray Spaulding and Dwayne Sutton, Terrence Mann of FSU, Alric Freeman of NC State, Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman of BC, TJ Gibbs and Rex Fluger of Notre Dame, Justin Bibbs of Virginia Tech, and Pascal Chuku, O'Shea Brissett, Matthew Moyer, Barama Sidibe, Frank Howard, and Tyus Battle of Syracuse, as well as Daywan Coleman at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time. So to say that the show is jam-packed would be an understatement this morning, and I'm happy to start things off with the Syracuse Silver Knights and the fact that they're going to the playoffs. Ryan, how are you doing today? Doing great, thank you. How are you? Doing very well. And, and Ryan, I know that uh, you and I are – are used to being up on the broadcast together and you know things have gotten a little crazy and busy for you with the silver knights with with work in general with syracuse futsal just what you can say about juggling everything right now and just how things have been going for you uh just like you said i mean things have been extremely chaotic between you know my normal nine to five job and then uh the syracuse silver knights and then trying to start up futsal in this area and then coaching youth kids for the syracuse development academy i mean it's just not enough hours in the day, as I'm sure you know, but I enjoy every minute of it, and, um, you know, I'll, I'll sleep sometime in July. <laughs> and and you've been missed here on the broadcast, so I'm happy to have you back and spend some time with you today. I know that the, the fans appreciate it, and the fans have something to appreciate with some extra play going on this season. The Syracuse Silver Knights are no strangers to getting to the postseason, but just what you can say about the road to get there this year, I, I, I don't... There's just a, to me, you know, in year number seven, 
this season feels different to me in a good way. I feel like there's more momentum going into the postseason. Do you get that vibe at all? Do you get that notion at all? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, like last year we missed the playoffs. Um, there was a lot of trials and tribulations last season, a lot of turmoil um, internally. I mean, and it, you know, heading into the season, there was a lot of uncertainty. So uh, we lost a couple of key players, a lot of high scorers. We had a lot of young guys coming in. But, you know, it, like you said, it, there's just this weird aura around this team. Uh, they're very positive, uh, a lot of high energy. There's been a never-quit attitude. And, you know, even though uh, we finished the regular season 13-9, which is, you know, the most wins in franchise history, those nine losses, there's maybe only two that were more than one goal. So we've been tight in every game. Um, and, yeah, it's a, there's a lot of momentum, a lot of positivity heading into the playoffs. And just what you could say about, you know, the way that the team gutted out some wins this year. You know, sometimes the, the ball hasn't bounced the Silver Knights' way in uh, recent seasons. But, you know, this team playing games very close, like you had just uh, – you know, mentioned some of these games that, you know, come down to the wire and whatnot. The Silver Knights were able to get some victories in these situations, maybe win some games that, that didn't fall their way in the recent past, like I was saying. Just what you can say about, you know, what you attribute that to and, and how these uh, these games turned out in favor of the Silver Knights as opposed to, you know, sometimes in the past where they didn't fall your way. Yeah, you know, for me personally, uh, I think winning and losing is a mentality. Uh, you get into losing streaks and, you know, you give up a goal, even though you might be winning, you give up a goal and, you know, everyone's doubt creeps in that, oh, here we go again. We're going to, you know, we're going to lose the game, this, that, and the other. So it's the same with winning. You know, these guys have believed since day one that we could we could make the playoffs. We could, you know, make a run at Baltimore, who was the heavy favorites uh, preseason. And, you know, that's a mentality. And so there's been, there's been situations of games where games have been tight, tied, you know, one goal up, one goal down. And, and these guys have found ways to put the ball in the net as opposed to previous years where, you know, it, they seem to just go through the motions because they had that, that notion that they were going to end up losing. So it's definitely a culture change. It's a mentality. And, and these guys have really stepped up to the plate this year. Speaking here with the head coach of the Syracuse Silver Knights, Ryan Hall, what would you attribute to that culture change? What can you kind of put your finger on that helped change the culture this season? You know, I, I don't think it's one specific thing, um, uh, but I do, you know, if I had to just pick one, it would be the, the trials and tribulations of last season. Um, you know, we were, we were loaded talent-wise last season, and just the pieces weren't put together. Um, you know, guys, whether their talents didn't sort of fit together in that puzzle, if, you know, maybe personalities off the field didn't, you know, didn't quite, there wasn't as much cohesiveness. So at the end of the season, you know, everybody took a couple of months and really regrouped, uh, refocused, figured out, you know, if this is what they wanted to do, if they wanted to come back. And we invited those back to the season that we thought would be a you know, good core. And, and then, of course, it doesn't help that or it doesn't hurt that the young guys to the team this year have really stepped up and, you know, but I think that, that that bitterness from last year and how disappointing the season was is what is the biggest asset and, and contribution to this season's positivity. So when you're going through it and, you know, you, and you're in the season where it doesn't feel good and you're in the season where, you know, you're going through the motions and, and losing these games and, like you said, having a losing mentality, somehow that bounces back to help you this season around. Just what you could say to that respect, that – last season didn't go the way the team wanted it to go like you said some turmoil and this that and the other but how that's been used to help the team move forward so what once knocked the team down is is now giving them some momentum and, and a strike here late in the MASL season um 
you know, I, I think it's a bunch of things. I think, uh, you know, treating the, the guys, the gentlemen as professionals, but at the same time clamping down on them when they need to be clamped down on, um, you know, allowing them to be free, to speak their minds, you know, not, not be a dictatorship and, and it's an open forum. So, you know, by no means, this is my first year as a head coach for the full season. So by no means am I a perfect coach. Do I know the game inside and out? You know, I'm still learning myself as a coach. So, you know, we have practices where we're going over certain situations and it's an open forum. If, if guys who are out there on the field see something that I might overlook or, or not see, you know, they're, they're free to speak up and then we can address it. And if, if that's the right change, we make that adjustment. So I think that liberty to allow the guys to also have input on, on what we're doing, on set pieces, stuff like that, um, you know, allows them to feel, you know, appreciated and, you know, that they are, they are a part of this team as opposed to it's, you know, it's my show. I'm going to do exactly how I want to do it. And you either like it or you don't like it. And, you know, and for certain teams, that's the way it works. Uh, but with this guy's, you know, with this group of guys, you know, I think it's a, it works better, especially, you know, having played with a lot of them, um, having been in the, the league a lot of years, you know, this is what's working right now for this group of gentlemen. And when you have that, like you said, it's it's not a dictatorship. You let guys feel that they're important. You let them be a part of something. You know, just just what you could say about you know why why that decision was made and why you felt like that was the right way to go with this team this year. To or, or if that's just you know your style overall that you wanted them to have it. It's your first full season as a head coach in the MASL. So you know just just what brought you into the dynamic that you wanted to have with the team to let it be an open forum and, and let them have a discussion. And, yeah, you have to clamp down when you have to clamp down, like you said, but to be less of a, di- of, of a dictatorship and more of a democracy, so to speak. Um, I think it's because, you know, throughout my career, there's been coaches where I've highly respected and there's been coaches where I've disagreed with and, and, and didn't respect. And, you know, those who I did respect and cared about, I would run through a brick wall for and those who I didn't, it's not that I wouldn't try hard, but there wasn't there wasn't that extra push to, you know, sacrifice my body for a certain block or or this that and the other. So you know, first and foremost, I wanted the guys, I wanted their respect, I wanted to you know make sure that you know this is a family, uh, change that culture from an individual status about you know who's the highest paid, who's getting the most bonuses, you know, throw that all out the window. And at the end of the day, you know, none of us are going to become millionaires playing indoor soccer. So you know, we got to come together collectively. Um, you know, I'll treat you like men as long as you respect me as the coach. If you need a pro day and, and you know you're feeling bumps and bruises, it, it's a grind. I mean, we're, we're every day pounding our bodies on the turf. Um, you know, feel free to take a day. You're still coming to practice, but if you need to sit out and watch, hey, you know, you're a grown man. I'll treat you as such. Uh, and in the same breath, if you're acting like an idiot, I'm, I'm going to tell you that too. So I, there's been that mutual respect between the players and the coach. Um, I've had him over to my house several times for team dinners, and you know. I think what helped the most was that first road trip out to San Diego. You know, we were out there for four days, five days, and, you know, the team just bonded. Um, so it, it just continued, and, it, you know, it's been a fun ride this season. Speaking of here with Ryan Hall, the head coach of the Syracuse Silver Knights, Ryan, when you when you had to go on the West Coast to start off the season, and you were, like you said, you were there for a few days, just bring me into, you know, what were some of the things you did team bonding-wise? What, what helped to bring – the team together what did you guys do out there because you did have you know multiple opponents and you weren't going there coming back going back there so you know when you have half a week on the west coast just what you tried to do to have that cohesiveness and maybe build that family aspect a little bit more 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, budget-wise, you, you had to take the cheapest route to get out there. And then, you know, so we flew into LAX, and then we had to make a six-hour drive up north to Turlock, California, which is a suburb of, of Stockton and Sacramento. So you're stuck in the van, you know, for six, seven hours. And, you know, what do you do to pass the time? Some guys are listening to music, but a lot of talking. So, you know, just there, you get comfortable with one another. And then, you know, we had to drive seven, eight hours down south to San Diego for the, the following game. And we had a day off in between. So, you know, I take them to Mission Beach and they go for a jog on the beach. And, you know, it's just just those times you, you can't really uh, you can't really describe. But just that, that time when you're, you know, in the van, taking a jog on the beach, going out to a team dinner. Those, those are those invaluable moments that, you know, you, you can't really script. But that's what builds a team. And, and these guys gelled. And, you know, that, that notice right then and there was uh set the tone for the season and like i said it's it's been a it's been a lot of fun and you know there's there's a lot moving forward heading into tonight's game and as we look at what's coming up for you and like you said coming up in tonight's game we're here thursday march 8th at 7:05 p.m eastern time the silver knights will take on the baltimore blast you have this game at home then you have to play two in baltimore at the secu arena in baltimore maryland just what you could say about this. I mean, obviously, you're in this series. you got to have the best of in this. There's three games to go on. Obviously, if, if either one, you or Baltimore, wins the first two, then the third one's a moot point. But just, you know, what you could say about this, because the game today is game one, then game two, Sunday, March 11th, and then if you need to have a game after that, it takes it goes on right after on March 11th. I mean, it's that little mini game that gets thrown in there immediately after so just what you could say about the team going into this matchup obviously you're coming off of a victory in your last regular season game against Baltimore you got that win at home and it was just four days ago so there's some momentum going into this yeah I mean you know the the whole mini game situation um you know I I don't know one player who's who's a big fan of it it is what it is um it's it's kind of you know, it's like watching the World Cup be won in PKs. It's kind of a cheap way to, uh, you know, if games are tied, if the series is tied 1-1, then you, you have a 15-minute break, and then you got to play just one 15-minute quarter, and that'll decide the series. So it's, it's you know, it, it is what it is. It's kind of silly in my opinion, but, you know, the, that's the rules of the game, and, you know, so we'll deal with it, and we hope to wrap it up before then. Um, but that being said, you know, it's two totally different environments. Uh, ours is, uh, you know, the typical hockey rink length of a field. Theirs is much, much shorter. Um, they play it almost on a basketball court, so it's two totally different game tactics. Um, you know, and we have to prepare for both. So it, it'll be a daunting task for both teams. It's a, probably a little bit easier for Baltimore having that as their home field and, and previously playing on bigger fields. Um, you know, but like you said, we got the win last Sunday. There's a lot of momentum. The guys are fired up. They all dyed their hair platinum white, um, which I'm sure not doing it, but <laughs> if, that's what they, if that's what they want to do, by all means. Um, you know, and they're ready to roll. I, I, you know, we lost to Baltimore, I think it was two years ago, in that mini game. The series was tied down in Baltimore. We lost in that mini game. And so a lot of those guys that are here were still on the team then. And that bitterness is there and that feeling is there. And they don't want to go through it again. And so, yeah, they're hungry. And so it'll be fun tonight. Why is the team dying their hair platinum white? What was, what, what was the significance or the situation for that? Listen, I have no idea. Um... <laughs> No clue. I came to practice and there was a bit of a buzz about it, and I called him and I was like, "You guys serious?" Sure enough, they showed up yesterday, uh, and I'm just waiting for Chris Hansen and the MSNBC crew to show up. And I mean, they look ridiculous, but um, 
if it's that's what they want to do, if it's a team bonding thing, by all means, I'm all for it. But I'm certainly not dying. <laughs> you're you're not gonna die. You're not gonna go platinum platinum white for the game. I mean, I didn't know if there if there was something about you know what the trophy looks like or there's something about man. But you know what? I mean, teams do this stuff, and you know, down here in Brooklyn, there's one of the guys, Kai Bowman, and and he's had his hair maroon on the top you know maroon tips to fit boston college and they're in the final eight teams of the acc tournament as a 12 seed so uh, maybe maybe switching the hair color works for some teams and maybe it'll work for the silver knights yeah absolutely i mean you know you, you the hockey guys always do the playoff beards um and you know i'll give joey tavernisi a lot of credit because he stayed away from his hair and just dyed his beard so that that was easily shaven off if you know if something happens uh so he, he took it the smart way but um, you know, uh, the, there was a mention of one of the European teams who did it in like the Euro Cup a few years ago. Uh, but hey, you know, as long as they're all on board, that's just more team bonding that shows you know, how tight knit group up this is to get some of these guys who care more about their hair than anything else to dye their hair platinum white. Um, you know, I'm all for it. And you know, to and like you said, we talked about the mini game a little bit, and don't knock PKs in the World Cup because Italy won that way. But because <laughs> yeah. I was very happy. But when when we look at you know the the situation, Baltimore is always the big bad wolf, and they're in you know you're they're in your division, they're with you all the time. You know you're constantly trying to find a way to be to be in the top two, and they're that number one team and then Syracuse Silver Knights are fighting to be the second team. You know, Baltimore every single year is relevant. Every single year brings a lot to the table. What can you say about this year? Because you know what it's like to face them in the playoffs. You know what it's like to be in the crunch time. You know what it's like to push it to the mini game. So just what you could say about Baltimore being on the other end and how you've played them this season and if that gives you any notion that you're playing them better now than you've played them before. Yeah, I mean, you know, the you know, I, I think of the Baltimore Blasters and New York Yankees. They're always the like you said, the big bad wolf. They're always the heavy favorites. They won the championship last year. You know, they're always the the pinnacle team that everyone's chasing. Um, however, you know, the teams outside of that, you know, they they learn from that. They study film and they start to close the gap. Now, Dan Kelly's done a great job. You know, they lost their star goalkeeper William, and you know, uh, Joey Capinos has stepped in, and they really haven't skipped a beat. So, you know credit to, to the players and Danny Kelly but that being said you know we always face Baltimore in the playoffs we always end up on the wrong side so these guys who have been around for six years seven years are over it I mean it, truthfully they're just over it they're, they're, they're tired of it they're hungry they, you know they're sick of getting to the playoffs and then heading home in the first round um, you know so they know these guys really well uh, that Baltimore is a very talented, technical team, very organized, well-disciplined. But so are these guys. And the, the one wild card that we have is that these guys are hungry. They're the underdogs. they got nothing to lose. All the pressure's on Baltimore. These guys can just go out. They can play. They can go at these guys. You know, no one expects us to win. So, you know, we have that in our favor that these guys can come in loose. Um, and, you know, and I think it'll be a good show tonight. When you look at the fan base and their support over the years, this is year number seven, just what you could say about the fans and what they've done and what they've been and, and what you're hoping for them to be in tonight's situation. Uh, the fans have been incredible. I mean, and, you know, this is part of the reason why these guys do it. Um, it's certainly not for the pay. Uh, it's, it's for the competitions from the camaraderie, the, the locker room guys, you know, and then 
it's for the fans. Um, they've been they've been great. They've been supportive all year long, um, especially after a down season of last year. They could have very well been like, you know, I'm not going to waste my money on these guys. And they, and they came back, and, you know, we have been trying to support them by, by winning and putting on a, a good performance on the field. And they've been tremendous. Uh, you know, everywhere we go, we're getting supportive texts, you know, messages via social media. Um, you know, they're fighting off snowstorms to come to the game. So, you know, hats off to all the fans. Um, and, and even Baltimore fans, you know, there was a there was a whole carload of them uh, that made the trip last year. I mean, the, the, the indoor fan base is is one of the unique fan bases in all of sports because you know we're not highly publicized, we're not on TV, and yet these people come out day in and day out, uh, writing blogs, driving all through the night to watch games. I mean, it's a very dedicated, hardcore, grassroots fan base for for all the teams in the league, but especially in Syracuse, you know, because now we also have the daunting task of all these Northeasterners that have been just slamming us with snow. Um, and, and tonight's going to be a fun event. We got a couple of uh, new things, a couple of new intro videos. You know, we're gonna we're gonna bring that Icelandic drum chant that the Icelandic national team does to the stadium to try to get you know some energy going. Uh, and we're hoping to pack the house tonight. And speaking here with Ryan Hall, the Syracuse Silver Knights head coach. Uh, before I let you go, the Icelandic drum chant. You and I have spoken about this before. How excited are you to have that inside of the On Center? Tremendous. You know, I'm excited. Um, you know, it, you couldn't ask for anything else. Um, you know, obviously it's a Thursday night, which is a little bit unorthodox. We'd love to have the weekend, but it is what it is. And, and so far from my knowledge, ticket sales have been great. Uh, we're excited. Um, you know, it, as much as I could, I, I would love to see a packed house. Um, you know, now that unfortunately, like you said, when we start, we talked a little bit briefly before going on air as you lost, which, you know, kind of burns me a little bit, but they're not playing tonight, which maybe they'll give some incentives for some fans to come out because they won't be at home or at a, a you know at a little bar watching the game. So maybe they can come out and support us. Um, but it'll be good, man. We, we we need every fan we can get uh, to heckle them, to, to cheer us on, etc. It's, it's going to be a packed house. It's going to be loud. It's going to be fun, and you know we're, we're going to ride this wave. That coming from Ryan Hall, Syracuse Silver Knights will start in the playoffs tonight thursday march 8th at 705 p.m eastern time and you're right syracuse is not in the acc tournament i'm here in brooklyn and so i'm going to be you know watching from afar and whatnot but i know that the fans will be proud in syracuse new york and and yeah those those fringe people that were like i want to go to the game but i don't want to miss this game and you know and this that and the other now they don't have to worry about it which is an unfortunate circumstance but also you know good for the opportunity to go see the syracuse silver knights they take on the Baltimore Blast for the rights to continue on. Ryan, how do you feel? First year as a head coach all the way through, how are you feeling about this? I mean, it, like, like we spoke about, it's Baltimore again, but give me your vibes, give me your sense of the team right now as you go to play another series against the Big Bad Wolf like we were discussing. Bring me into where your head's at, how you're feeling right now, how you're vibing this team at this point in the season right now. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, truthfully, a whirlwind of emotions. Um, excited, nervous. Um, you know, did I do enough to prepare them? Should I have done more? Um, you know, just anxious, uh, anxiety. I mean, it, it, it depends on the minute. Um, you know, I'm trying to stay busy at work, so I'm not thinking about it too much until, you know, I get over to the stadium and I can start crunching down. But, it, you know, how can you not think about it? So uh, uh, I'm excited. I want to get there. I want to get this going. Um, I know the guys are ready. Uh, but yet, at the same token, you know, I haven't, I haven't had a moment really to, to sit back and think about the entire season as a whole. And, you know, maybe I will reflect on that, you know, after a couple of weeks postseason, after we uh, hold up the Ron Newman trophy. But, 
know, right now I'm just anxious. I just want to get there. I want to get this going. Uh, and, and you know, this this downtime is what's killing me. You know, it's an interesting vibe because uh, you know, being going from a player to now the coach, you sort of have a uh, helpless feeling. You, know, you can prep them all you want. You can yell as much as you want on the bench, but you're not out there. And you know, as a former player, that eats you up. And I'm sure other coaches and other players know that exact same feeling. Um, but I'm excited for these guys. These guys are ready. These guys deserve it. Uh, the crowd does. Syracuse does. All the fans that come to the organization does. You know, this is this is a good man, uh, good moment, and, and you know, I hope the guys enjoy it. Uh, but I hope they also take advantage of it. Couldn't have said it better myself. That's Ryan Hall, Syracuse Silver Knights head coach. They got a big game tonight. You don't have to worry about Syracuse inside of the ACC tournament, so you can get yourself inside of the On Center. War Memorial and watch the Syracuse Silver Knights take on the Baltimore Blast in hopes of getting game one so that they can go to Baltimore and take care of business from there. Ryan, as always, it's a pleasure. We have missed you here on the air, and, and I've missed fireside chats with you, so I know that life's been crazy for the both of us, but if you can take anything into tonight, you've had my support for more than seven years. You will continue to have that support, and uh, you always have a place here on the show, and hopefully you have a place sitting next to me grabbing something to eat after we talk about some victories. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure. You know, Sorry we haven't touched base in a couple of weeks. Uh, enjoy the ACC tournament. Hopefully there's some good games left. Uh, but make sure you, you, know, you tune in at YouTube and watch us this evening. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have the computer up for sure. <laughs> so I might love be it, screaming. I might be screaming during a break in the action, and people are gonna be like, "What the hell's wrong with that guy?" So we'll we'll, we'll see. I'll, I'll have the picture in picture, so to speak, and I might have Perfect. to get might have to get the buds in so I can be quiet to myself while I'm there. But yeah, no, I definitely will be uh, will be having that bird's eye view of a hopeful victory for the city of Syracuse. I appreciate it very much as always. And just go out there and do what you do. You guys have taken care of business this year. Like I said, there's a little bit of a different sense in the air and hopefully that continues to be there for you. Thank you, sir. I very much appreciate it. All right. I'll talk with you soon. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye. That coming from Ryan Hall, the head coach of the Syracuse silver Knights who are in the playoffs right now. And folks, you're in a position where you can go to the game. You can go to the game and go enjoy the game. You don't have to worry about, oh, my God, do I have to choose between Syracuse and and this and that? Am I going to watch this game? Am I not going to watch this one? So now you don't have to choose. Now you don't have to worry. Go out and see the Syracuse Silver Knights and give them your time. Following the Syracuse Silver Knights, who are in the playoffs tonight, Thursday, March 8th at 7.05 p.m. Eastern time at Syracuse, you should go see them. We're coming up next with somebody who's never been on the show before. We have had so many different Syracuse Orange alum grace the stage but we have never had 2003 national champion Craig Forth. He will join the broadcast in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. We're back here after a very quick fast break. You heard from Carvel DeWitt in that fast break. And now it's time to jump into a live conversation 
with Craig Forth. Craig Forth, 2003 national champion with the likes of Carmelo Anthony, Josh Pace, Queth Dwayne, Jerry McNamara, Hakeem Wark, and so on and so forth. I feel very honored and privileged to have this gentleman on the show who not only won a national championship, but also is helping out our youth of today every single day as a principal in the state of New York. And that, to me, is even bigger than what they did on the court and what the team did on the court. So with that being said, for the first time ever on Wake Up Call, and hopefully many times to come, I'm proud to welcome Craig Forth. Craig, how are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. And, and Craig, first and foremost, just... Bring me into, I know we talked about it off the air a little bit, but the decision to become a principal, the decision to work with the youth of today, just why you wanted to do that, if there was anybody that inspired you to do that growing up, and just what you can say about that special bond that you try to have with the kids of today to hope for a better tomorrow. Well, I can say that uh, I wanted to be a teacher slash educator for probably most of my life, starting back in fourth grade. Um, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. Um, I was further inspired by high school teachers, uh, one namely Chris Chris Ciccone, uh, who was my uh, earth science teacher in ninth grade. He just inspired a love and a passion for teaching that I haven't haven't dropped since. Uh, As far as the decision to go from being a first grade teacher into becoming a principal, I think the, the biggest thing for me is I wanted to affect widespread change instead of just being able to affect the 24 kids that were in my class. Don't get me wrong, affecting the 24 kids was fantastic, but being able to make decisions that impact kids on a daily basis definitely is an awesome feeling. And so you have that opportunity. How do you feel it's gone? I mean, what can you say about the challenges? Because there's challenges on the court, but there's challenges in the classroom and challenges as a principal. Just what you can say on how you were challenged in the basketball world and now how you're challenged in the world that you're currently in. Well, obviously, basketball comes with its challenges. You got to fit into a team dynamic. You got to perform on the court. You got to do a bunch of different things, you know, you know, athletically that uh, not everybody can do. Um, transferring over, I think the work ethic that I developed throughout the course of my, <clears throat> excuse me, my career as an athlete has transferred over to my career as a principal. Um, I'm always the last one here. Always the last one leaving. Excuse me, not the last one here, but I'm last, always the last one leaving from. Uh, going to uh, get things done around, around the room and getting things done around the school. Um, just trying to inspire kids and inspire my teachers to you know, do, bat, do their best based on what I do, uh, lead by example, etc. And uh, there are some challenges here. There are some, some definite challenges. We have uh, an interesting dynamic of uh, haves and have-nots in our district, and uh, it's a weird dynamic trying to figure that out every single day. Um, and I teach in a middle school, so you can imagine the, the hormones and the attitude mm-hmm. and the feeling a typical, you know, 11 through 13-year-old feels every day. So every, every day is a challenge. Every day is, a, you know, not, every, not always easy to navigate. And when we go from those challenges and, and what you've had to go through to get to where you are right now, just what you can say about, you know, how you can maybe take some of those basketball moments, some of those sports moments, and and apply them to the life that you're in now, apply them to the adversity. Because I think adversity in, in any nook and cranny of life can be utilized to help you down the road. So how can sure. maybe basketball help you at this point? Well, you know, I don't, I don't often play anymore, and, you know, there's a reason for that. Obviously, up here it's hard to find a good game. But uh, in 
terms of you know using what I've learned through basketball, I, I go back to work ethic and I go back to you know getting in the gym. You know, I remember my junior year uh, walking in, and you know, uh, Mookie Watkins was walking in after me, trying to you know obviously take take minutes away from me, take take playing time away from me, which any freshman would do and any athlete would do in, in such a high level collegiate sport. Um, and I remember getting down into the gym and saying, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna put my nose to the grind. I'm gonna you know, work out harder. I'm gonna, you know, practice harder on the hook shots and on the, you know, layups, etc. And uh, you know, just make myself a better all-around athlete. And I think that served me well at that point uh, to keep some minutes and continue to start for the for the team. Um, but in, in transfer that over to what I'm doing now. You know, getting here early, doing what I'm able to do on, you know, in the office in order to get prepared for the day. Uh, long-term planning, that, 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 that type of thing. And it's really just looking for the challenges and, and being able to adapt. And I think that's one of the biggest ways that basketball has influenced my life. And when we look back, speaking here with Craig Forth of Syracuse men's basketball history and, and obviously the 2003 National Championship, Craig, just what you could say about your time back then. I mean, you and I have never gotten to speak about this, so, you know, I, I know that the moment – I'm sure was was absolutely amazing and tremendous. But just what you could say about what you remember the most now that you've had time to look back on 2003. Just what comes to mind the most for you? What's what's top of mind when I speak with you on the 2003 national championship? Well, obviously everybody remembers Carmelo, you know, and he was a fantastic player at that time in the you know the collegiate realm, and he dominated the boards and dominated the scoring. And he was, he was just a fantastic player to play with. Um, but in terms of uh, overall team dynamics and overall team just camaraderie, I think that uh, that stands out the most. I remember when we were all, you know, prior to the championship game, we're all snapping towels in the locker room and fooling around and having a good old time with really nothing to lose. I mean, we've, we've made it that far. We were a bunch of sophomores and freshmen. And I think we only had one senior at the time in Jeremy McNeil and Cleft Laney. I'm sorry, Jeremy was a junior at that time. Sorry. Um, but just being able to have that fun and remember the fun, you know, everybody was, you know, not, not everybody was tight and, you know, everybody was loose, ready to, ready to rock and ready to go out there and give it our best. And I think that showed on the court. And when you get out there, like you said, you, you had nothing to lose in, in everything to gain from being out there. Syracuse seems to be that team that's consistently counted out you know in the 2003 national championship I had told you off the air that I chose Syracuse to win the championship and I was one of two kids and you know I'm sitting at the cafeteria and getting laughed at by people all the way through and ended up being right in the end and then those are the same people that are slapping hands with everybody and I told them to put their hands down but with uh, with that in 2003 to the team in in 2016 another team that I thought had something to give and, and life to it that didn't get a lot of respect. I mean, Syracuse seems to just be that squad that when you get to that point, when you get far, when you reach what you want to reach on the court uh, nine times out of ten, there's there's not an expectation that Syracuse is going to be the team there, yet you find a way. Just what you could say about you know that notion and and getting there even when maybe the world or a lot of people in the world don't think that that's going to happen. Well, I would say that you know you got you, you talk a lot about adversity and been building through that. You know, you can't listen to the commentators. You can't listen to the people who are making up the you know the brackets prior to the bracket 
besides even being put out there. Um, I remember the night before the championship watching ESPN and having, you know, every single announcer, save for one, say that Candace was going to beat us. So watching that, listening to that, obviously it gets you hyped. You know, you want to you want to go out there, you want to perform your best, you want to do what you're capable of doing, um, and you want to do what's, you know, you want to you want to bring home a championship for the team. And uh, at that point, like I said, you got nothing to lose, so just go out and play your hardest. But uh, you're right. I think Syracuse gets a, a little bit downplayed every now and again when they have great teams when they're walking through. Uh, I don't know what the reason for is for it. I really don't. I think that uh, there's some strong teams out there. I mean, even in the performances that you've seen from this year's team, you know, they're, they're capable of playing with anybody. And I think that uh, they, they deserve a little bit more respect than they get. And I want to discuss them in in just a moment. Speaking here with Craig Forth, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum in 2003 and national champion. Going through that run in the NCAA tournament in 2003, you faced off against Manhattan and then on to Oklahoma State, Auburn, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas. I remember at one point Dickie V had said that a Big 12 team was guaranteed to win the national championship. And I said, how many Big 12 teams does Syracuse have to beat to prove that wrong? So, you know, I mean, just what you could say about the run that you guys made and, and to go back and look at those six games and, and everything that led to ultimately hoisting the trophy. Well, I can say that, you know, just looking back at it, I think we jokingly, as a, as a team, called ourselves the Big 12 champions that year because we went through every Big 12 team that you could possibly go through and, you know, had great success against them. Um, I think our defense was extremely solid throughout the entire process. I think, the, you know, I look back to the Oklahoma State game where we're down 17, walking into halftime, and Jeremy McNeil comes into the game and blocks every shot in the gym um, in the second half and brings us back from, you know, that deficit to win. You kind of you kind of got a feeling you were going to go forward from there and you were going to have some great success. Uh, Auburn and Oklahoma, obviously, we, we had some, some tight games there. Uh, but again, defense won out. You know, we were able to shut down their best players, and we were able to uh, pull out a key victory in both in both squads. Um, and then Texas was just a powerhouse that year. I mean, we were we were lucky to get by them as far as uh, their strength. I mean, they beat Connecticut that we were weren't able to beat throughout the course of the year, and we were uh, it was a tough matchup for us. But uh, again, we pulled that that one out. And then watching Kansas just dismantle Marquette, you know, in the final four. You know, obviously there was there was some trepidation there. We had, I believe there were what three guys that went pro off that team, um, and just solid college athletes that were there. And it was you know mostly seniors, mostly juniors for them, and you know sophomores and freshmen for us, like I said before. And uh, we just played like we had nothing to lose, and it was a good a good feeling. But yeah, we felt like the Big Twelve champions after the whole thing was over. <laughs> And you know, and and that's a very interesting statement. You know, feeling like the big, Big Twelve champions because of everything that you ran through and and what you were able to do was bring me into the locker room and and the feeling on this team. I know you said you know you're watching the discussion and and you know people trying to tell you what the bracket's supposed to be before the brackets come out and who's in it before they're even in it. And then, you know, everybody, Sands won in the broadcast you were watching, picked Kansas to win the national championship. Just, you know, that's all going on. But what's going on in the locker room? Bring me into the locker room. I know you said, you, you know, you guys were, you know, snapping towels and, and laughing and whatnot. But just bring me into maybe some of those moments that stick out to you with with the guys and just how life was in the locker room. Because it starts there. 
And it starts with that bonding and that culture and that camaraderie and that connection that breeds success on the court. So just what you can say about what was going on there. Well, I think it's, I also think it's a little bit beyond the locker room because I remember very clearly the year before when we weren't picked to go to the NCAA tournament and we ended up in the NIT and the downtrodden feeling we had in the locker room and how, basically how terrible it felt to you just play the games. I mean, it was, being in the NIT versus the NCAA is a completely different ball game. So we all kind of had that stick in our craw as far as, uh, remembering the, the past year. So anything we got through this year, I mean, we were a three seed. And we have had some good games to play, or some good teams to play against. But again, very loose, very, you know, everybody was joking around. I mean, we got serious when we needed to get serious, don't get me wrong. Um, but I remember one key moment, I think, that, that sticks with me to this day is at our banquet that was held right after the, turn, the Big East tournament. Um, Quet Sweeney got up to give his senior speech and basically said, this is our time, this is, this is our team, and this is what, you know, we have to really bat down the hatches do what we're capable of doing and he says all we need is six games and we got ourselves a championship and I remember that feeling that conversation bringing chills to my bones you know and uh, kind of hold on to that he was a very vocal leader and a very very strong advocate for us working hard um, and he was like that in the locker room he was like that on the on the court and uh, just a great overall person but uh, like I said you know, a lot of young kids in the locker room not really knowing what to expect and uh glad we had that senior leadership to guide us through and when you look at that you know in mentorship just what you can say you know really brought you along maybe to expand on that a little bit you know who kind of helped you to to be comfortable in college I mean you're a young kid so who helped you know bring that comfort on the court off the court in in your collegiate days and and you know kind of helped you along and, and helped you to find your place so to speak well, I always refer to Bernie Fine as my second father. Um, he was instrumental in my in my growth as far as getting there early to the gym to, to practice, uh, work on different skills, uh, teach me different moves in the game, different things along those lines, and always there for me to you know just to listen to me as a as a true confidant. To, you know, I'm not gonna you know not gonna run back to Coach Beheim if I have some problem that, that's going on. That, you know. He kept everything confidential, and I really, truly appreciate that throughout the course of my career. Um, obviously, it's sad to see him leave the, leave the organization, but uh, I still consider him a second father. He still he still texts me on my birthday every year, you know, saying happy birthday, Crash, because I got a car into a car accident my freshman year, so it's all crashed throughout the entire four years. Um, but overall, I would say the other the, the player that really inspired me the most was Clef. Uh, I played with him for two years. And, you know, everything he did, whether it was in the weight room, whether it was in the locker room, whether it was on the, you know, out there in the academic world, truly inspired me and got me, got me where I am today, I think. And, you know, when you when you look at Quet Dwayne, just what you can say, you know, he meant to the team, you know, you guys were in a similar boat when, you know, Carmelo's going off scoring and Jerry's hitting threes and Hakeem is, is doing this, that, and the other, especially defensively. You know, some people get lost in the shuffle of the conversation, and I always feel like it's it's part of my job to have the conversation and include everybody and go down the line and say, Jerry, Quath, Carmelo, Hakeem, yourself, Billy, Josh, Jeremy, Matt, Andrew, uh, Rennell, uh, Xavier, Gary, Tyrone, Josh, everybody that was on the team, whether you're a walkout or not, is a piece of this is a piece of this puzzle, so to speak. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. What, what can you say about the piece of the puzzle that Queth 
Queth was because I remember going back to some of these games where, I mean, he he would just, you know, pull off a steal, step in a passing lane, and just hand the ball off and, and be like, here you go, guys. I mean, let's let's get it moving. So he it wasn't the glamorous statistics, but he did things on the court, and he had his purpose, and he had his place. And I, to this day, don't think that people bring him up enough and bring in the moments like that where he takes a possession away and all of a sudden Syracuse has life. Coming from Craig Forth, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum. Craig, before I let you go, you have spoken on on this year's team and, and gave a few thoughts a few minutes ago. Just what you can say about them. I mean, we're we're speaking on the morning after they had lost to North Carolina. From you know, from my point of view, it looked like they were halfway out the door in this game. It, it didn't look like Syracuse. It didn't look comfortable for them. It looked rushed. It looked forced. It looked like. There was confusion out there on the floor. Not a lot of communication going on. Uh, it's sad in the sense that Syracuse is so much more than what they showed in that game against North Carolina, and unfortunately some people are going to regard them as that's who they are and that's it. What have you seen from North Car- or What have you seen from Syracuse despite what happened against North Carolina? Well, I think if you get everybody on the same page at the same time, you know, you saw in the Lake Forest game where you had, you know, Chukwu with uh, 14 points, or, and then you had uh, Dolajai with a good uh, 20 points, his career high. If you get everybody firing on the same cylinders, then you're you're going to have some success. Um, obviously, O'Shea Brissett is a fantastic player out there. He's a worker. He's that kind of guy who just scraps the entire game. You know, Battle is a fantastic offensive player. Howard, another one. I think you got you got two guys in the backcourt that are phenomenal, and when they're when all five are on on target, you know you're looking at some some pretty decent ability to score and some decent ability to defend. Um, in terms of they're moving forward, I you know I don't want to make any predictions whether or not they're going to get chosen for the tournament or not, but I think that they deserve a shot um, in terms of their ability to play against big teams. You know, I, I don't think one game against North Carolina determines their entire season where they've gone against the best and beaten some of the best. 
And they and they have had a lot going on this season. They won at Miami. They won at Louisville. They won at Georgetown, who I know has been been up and down since they defeated Buffalo at home, who's a good team. They defeated Clemson. They defeated Virginia Tech. The issue I think that they're in right now is the fact that Notre Dame still has life, BC still has life, Louisville still has life. So there's there's that factor to it that the committee can look and say, well, they all advanced to the quarterfinals in Syracuse did not however Syracuse got to 20 wins and I'm gonna you're gonna hear the discussions live this morning with with the guys from the locker room when I sat down with with a bunch of them with six different players and we all discussed how this 20 win season was a was a very very difficult road to get there and a lot of heart to get there a lot of striking and pushing to get there with five guys five and a half six guys going up against teams. I mean, they lost in double overtime to Florida State. Florida State had 45 points from their bench. Syracuse had nine. So, you know, you just you look at this season, and I feel like it's not stated enough because everybody wants to look at the record, but this Syracuse team got to 20 wins when on paper and with a lack of depth, maybe people were thinking 9, 11, 12. So, I mean, I think, I think irregardless of what the committee is going to do on Sunday – we have to look at the fact that, you know, this Syracuse team gutted out wins and they put themselves in history, at least in my opinion, for being one of the strongest teams to take a bunch of waves of adversity and find a way to keep swimming in the ocean, so to speak. Well, and also think about who they're playing against. I mean, you got Duke, you got North Carolina, you got Clemsons, you got some solid teams in that ACC, you know, and I, I just can't speak enough to seeing how they played and how they, they held different teams to, you know, low-scoring point, you know, point totals that were not seen before. You know, the fact that they're, you know, last night notwithstanding, I think most of their games, they held teams to 66 points when they were scoring 85. And I think that that's, again, the signature defense that they have put out there on the court to speak to how solid they are as a team and how they, they you know, given the chance, they could make a run uh, in the NCAA tournament. But obviously, I'm not on the committee and I don't make those decisions. But uh, I think they've I think they've played hard all year long. I, you know, you got to give them credit for doing that. And you know, again, getting the twenty wins in a tough, tough ACC uh, arena is incredibly difficult in any in any time. And when you technically only have five players that can really go out there and, and contribute, it makes it even harder. You know, if he had a if he had a bench where he can sub five in, five out, and still have the same kind of. Uh, ability level and still, you know, compete, then we're talking about a completely different season, I think. But, you know, with only five guys and, you know, admittedly, I saw an interview with him uh, last, uh, I think it was a couple nights ago, you know, only having three guys that Bayheim says can score and nobody else can, you know, you're going to be at a disadvantage throughout the course of the season, you know, the entire time. And I think even with that, they've managed to pull out a pretty decent season. That coming from Craig Forth, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum and 2003 national champion. Craig, as always, and I know you spent a few more minutes with us this morning, I appreciate that. But uh, I want to thank you for being a part of the show, and I'm happy to finally get you on the broadcast here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and I very much look forward to speaking with you again, and and even more so than that, I look forward to the -the off-the-air conversations because I think what you're doing for the community and how you're trying to do it as a principal is – 
is something to appreciate and uh, and definitely I want to learn a little bit more about. So thank you for what you're doing. And uh, you're also a father of three, so shout out to you for that. Right. And, uh, you know, with, with everything that you do, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here, and I look forward to plenty of conversations coming up. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. That coming from Craig Forth once again, Craig Forth, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum and 2003 national champion. We're going to take a quick, fast break. Folks, there's so much coming up in the morning menu of today's show. Would you like to know how crazy this show is? Good, I'll tell you. So so we were joined to start off the show live with Ryan Hall, head coach of the Syracuse Silver Knights, who have a playoff game against the Baltimore Blast tonight. They're trying to win the game at home, and then win the game on Sunday, the first game, so that they can move forward in the MASL playoffs and so that they don't have to play the mini game against Baltimore. You heard from Craig Forth just now, right after Ryan Hall, whose team's going to the playoffs. So Ryan Hall, Craig Forth, coming up in just a couple moments. Terrence Mann of Florida State, Elric Freeman of NC State, Justin Bibbs of Virginia Tech, Ray Spaulding and Dwayne Sutton of Louisville, Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman of BC, TJ Gibbs Jr. and Rex Fluger of Notre Dame, all one-on-one conversations that I had with them down here in Brooklyn following day two of the ACC tournament. Then we'll go live with Syracuse University alum and men's basketball alum Daywan Coleman. Following Daywan, we will end the show with Pascal Chuku, O'Shea Brissett, Matthew Moyer, Barama Sidibe, Frank Howard, and Tyus Battle in a very special Through the Looking Glass. All of that is coming at you today in just one episode of Wake Up Call because we push the term in a good way and we make it happen. Right here on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Let's take a quick fast break and let's come back with some one-on-one conversations from the ACC tournament. This is a wake-up call fast break. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrysigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, command yourself to feel comfortable in DrySig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that, 
Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Money Waters Kitchen and Bar is your home on the water for every season. Join them on Wednesdays for all-you-can-eat wings, chicken thighs, and drumsticks from 3 to 9 p.m. And on Thursdays, join me, Dan Tortora, for live game show night. A new night out unlike anything you've played before in central and upstate New York every Thursday at 7 p.m. And while you're there on Thursdays at Muddy Waters Kitchen and Bar from 5 to 9 p.m., join them for the barbecue all-you-can-eat buffet with buffet-style sides, ribs, and pulled pork chicken thighs and drumsticks and on wednesdays and thursdays all day happy hour you know how to get it done right at muddy waters kitchen and bar on 2 oswego street in baldwinsville new york welcome back here to wake up call with dan tortora on wakeupcalldt.com your one-stop sports shop and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt jam-packed show so let's jump right into continuing the conversations these are from the acc tournament like i said right before the break we were joined by syracuse silver knights head coach ryan hall as well as 2003 national champion and syracuse orange alum craig fourth coming up now with our live or coming up coming up now <laughs> coming up live now for some reason my tongue was underwater but I was here I came to play my tongue was back in bed I came to play this morning so let's get with it tongue all right let's go it's funny how people don't think much of their tongues but if you didn't have one you wouldn't be able to do anything interesting thought this morning I want you to take that home and let it marinate. With that being said, ACC Tournament one-on-one conversations. You're going to get every single day that we're down here at the ACC Tournament live from Brooklyn for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. Tell your friends. First and foremost here, coming off of the second round, we're going to go to Terrence Mann, who had his team down 25. They were down by 25. And they just kept fighting. Kept fighting. From down 25 to down 6. Just what he can say about the fight in his team, despite the loss. Um, you know, it just shows that we have a lot of fight. Um, and, you know, we weren't trying to go home with a loss. Um, uh, we dug ourselves a, a hole in the first half. Um, we were just trying to get out of it. What can you say about how they started it and just what they were doing right against the defense? Uh, they were just hitting their shots and we were um, That's pretty much it. You know, they hit their shots and they were tough shots and we were missing ours. Phil Kofer had nine points in less than two minutes, had three big-time threes in a row. Just what you can say about what he's meant to the state? Oh, that's big time. He's been big time for us all year. Um, and he really improved his jump shot and helped us all year. I know that this obviously isn't the way that you want to go out of it, but just what you can say about the fight in this team, that you guys made it a game down the stretch. Um, you know, we always have fight. We have fight all year. Um, we'll never get in situations like this. Uh, you know, we always look to fight back, and it's always positive uh, words being said when, when stuff goes bad. What does the coaching staff, what does Coach Hamilton say to you after this? Uh, just, you know, stay positive, uh, get ready for wherever we end up playing next week or whatever it is. 
What do you think about what you've done up to this point as far as this team, if you feel like you're deserving of a spot somewhere? Uh, I think we're definitely deserving of a spot. Um, you know, we beat a lot of good teams. Uh, we kept close with a lot of good teams. So, you know, I think we're definitely deserving. And finally, from me, the ACC, just what you can say being inside of this conference with your team and 14 others and any given night, anybody can beat anybody. Yeah, I mean, that's just how it is in this league, man. It's been like that since I got here. Um, anyone can beat anyone on any night, and it's a good league, and you got to be ready and locked in every yeah. night. That coming once again from Terrence Mann of the Florida State Seminoles, whose team lost to the Louisville Cardinals. Louisville, the nine seed. Florida State, the eight seed. Louisville has a rematch with Virginia to start off today in the ACC quarterfinals down here in Brooklyn, and I can't wait to see that game because I think Louisville is going to give them a run for their money. Virginia is a very, very tough team, and they had to – but at the same time, Louisville, who is the nine seed in the ACC tournament this season – pushed Virginia to the brink. A lot of teams have pushed Virginia to the brink, and Virginia just finds a way to squeak it out. Virginia scored five points in .9 seconds at Louisville to win that game. So I think this is going to be a great game. It's crazy that it's a noon game because it may be the marquee game of the day. So I'm excited to see it and can't wait for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Coming up next is Alric Freeman fought back and fought down to the wire for NC State. However, NC State was not able to get past Boston College, the 12 seed. So what Alaric Freeman had to say about fighting all the way down to the wire. We just we just play like ourselves in that in that stretch, and then uh, you know we just we just did what we've been doing all year. What was it about the first half? Did you guys feel like you weren't playing in your weren't playing your game necessarily? Did you feel kind of not like yourselves in the first half? Yeah, hundred percent. Just. You know, the first game is always the hardest, and um, of any tournament you play, you know, just getting a getting used to playing in the atmosphere and everything. And you know, they already had a game, so they had a rhythm and stuff, and so that worked out to their benefit. But you know, we just you know, NCAA tournament time, we're gonna get ready for the tourney, and uh, we just gonna we're gonna play like we did in the last ten minutes of that second half. You know, all game, every game, so. Despite the loss, just what you can say about this season, and like you said, the upcoming NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean it's been a great year. Um, uh, you know, just really enjoy playing with the guys. We really enjoy playing with each other. Um, I think we, you know, we've. Um, I wouldn't say we've overachieved as far as our expectations, but I think we just surprised a lot of people. You know, we easily could have been third. Easily could have our first game tomorrow. You know, we dropped the game, but you know, we dropped this game, and that's how that's how it is. That's how basketball is. So, lastly, for me, just what you could say about coach and, and what he's done for this team, and what you could say about his leadership throughout this season. Uh, it's been, you know, it's been great. Um, you know, personally, you know, I, I owe pretty much, you know, you know, obviously, I owe everything, all the glory and honor to God. But you know, if I had to give anybody the credit. You know, I would give this coaching staff and Coach Keats all the credit for, you know, helping me personally with this with my career. And I know NC State feels the same way with bringing, you know, NC State basketball back to, you know, relevance. That coming once again from Alric Freeman with NC State. NC State unable to come out with the victory as they fall to the 12th seeded Boston College Eagles in the second round of the 
and the ACC tournament. So moving forward from here, and I want to thank Ulrich for all his time. I talked to him at the beginning of the season and at the unfortunate end of his season up to this point, but obviously NC State's going to make it into the NCAA tournament, and they'll have some opportunities out there to do what they do and be the dangerous team that they are, and they have definitely been dangerous all the way through. So a lot of respect for NC State despite the loss. Coming up next is Justin Bibbs of the Virginia Tech Hokies. Virginia Tech fought like <laughs> they fought like heck to come back again. I mean, they, they fought. Like, I shouldn't say to come back. They were up on Notre Dame. They fought like heck to keep it going. And Notre Dame somehow, some way, figured it out and found a way to win. We're going to hear from Justin Bibbs and then take a fast break and be right back with plenty more conversations that I had one on one from the ACC tournament down here in Brooklyn. So coming up right now, Justin Bibbs. His team was up 21 with 15 minutes to play. Bring me into that, Justin. Uh, yeah. Uh, before that, was it before the timeout they caught? Um, we were just getting stops on defense, turning turning into uh, transition buckets, and then uh, they started hitting shots, and uh, we kind of went away from our defensive plan. Uh, they just they went on a run and just kind of just spread out on defense. We weren't uh, clogging the paint. Uh, we did a bad job. We did a bad job on knowing personnel. Um, they hit a lot of, you know, hand down, man down threes, and uh, I mean, they just did a good job. Of, you know, winning the game and running away with it. When you look at Notre Dame, uh, they're a team that makes runs. They're a team that never says die. When there's a couple of minutes left to go in a game, especially in the ACC tournament, they find some life. Just what you can say about going up against that? Oh uh, yeah, I mean. I mean, that's crazy who they are. They didn't, they didn't back down, they didn't stop. Uh, I mean, they're a great team. I mean, they showed it. Um, they, just out, they just outplayed us. Just what you can say about, you know, this season. And, you know, your team has had some big-time wins. You handed Virginia their only ACC loss. You beat teams like Duke. You've had other wins that are, that are big-time. You know, when the committee sits down, what do you think they should see with Virginia Tech? Uh, I don't know. Hopefully they just generous with us and put us in a good seat. But um, I don't know. It just kind of it just sucks that you know we put the decision in their hands when we could have helped ourselves. You know, win a couple of games in this tournament and stuff like that. But uh, I can't really say anything about how they feel about us. Uh, yeah. NC State talked about uh, losing their game because, you know, one of the things, they didn't have momentum, they didn't get to play on the first day. Did you feel that at all, that Notre Dame had some momentum rolling into this thing that maybe went against you guys? Um, I don't think that's an excuse. I mean, not to discredit, you know, what the uh, NC State said, but uh, that, should, that should help us. You know, we get, you know, a day off, rest, our legs, you know, and uh, we should have, Played more energy, but they did. So I don't think that's an excuse, though. Lastly, for me, just what you can say about you know this season, the ebb and flow of the season, some big time wins, and obviously some heartbreaking losses. Just what you've taken away this year from the team and from your squad. Um, win or lose, the different types of losses, different types of wins. Uh, we just stay together. Uh, we don't give up. Uh, we we learn from every situation, um, even this situation, and. Uh, we will be right prepared next time we go on the floor. 
This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. Hey, Wake Up Call listeners, this is Tom Taylor, owner of Sammy Malone's, located at 2 Oswego Street in Baldwinsville, New York, overlooking the beautiful Seneca River. We proudly open our doors to you seven days a week, beginning at 11 a.m. daily, with free parking. Whether it's game day, after work drinks, or a meal with family and friends, we are honored that you come visit us. Call 315-635-5407 for parties and catering. I'll see you at Sammy Malone's, home of the best sandwich in Beeville. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. It would be a pity if you don't shop. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your events, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. If you haven't become a member yet of both, make sure you do so. WakeUpCallDT.com has videos, art, oh my gosh, videos, articles, over 400 articles are on there. The show archive, quick links to everything, Syracuse basketball, Syracuse football, American Athletic Conference, the ACC, football and basketball, to the Right Now page with all the articles, to Jacksonville Jaguars coverage, to information on Sammy Malone's trivia every Tuesday at 6.30 in Baldwinsville, New York, to every Thursday at 7 p.m., Muddy Waters, CNY Game Show Night, which is my personal creation, of you know bringing together two great games that we love, Family Feud and Pictionary. So there's so much on wakeupcalldt.com. And if you become a member and you subscribe for free, you'll be connected with all that. And becoming a member of mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt does two awesome things for you. Every time the show goes live, it sends you an email. All you got to do is open the email and listen to the show. Simple as that. On any device. Anything you got. Tablet, iPod, iPad smartphone, desktop, laptop, doesn't matter. Also becoming a member of MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT puts you in a live chat room so you can talk with me while I'm doing the show. And, you know, we always ask people to have uh, 
language that is non-derogatory, that is respectful of one another. We can have differences of opinions, but it has to be respectful. It has to be, I always say, if you want to speak on Wake Up Call, you want to speak on this show, then I can't speak for any other show, but if you want to speak on this show, to do two things, respect yourself and other people, and justify your opinion. You do that, come in the chat room and talk all day long. And I'll welcome that every single show. So thank you to everybody that has already done so. I appreciate it very much. Continuing on in the morning menu for today, March 8th, my conversations coming off of the second round of the ACC tournament continue with the Louisville Cardinals and Ray Spaulding getting UVA for the third time this season, another crack at Virginia. Yes, sir. I mean, uh, being able to play them a third time, you know, they say a third time's a charm. So hopefully uh, we get after them quick and fast at the beginning of the game and just try to slow them down some. Have you ever played in a game where a team scored five points in .9 seconds? No, that was my first time ever, collegiate-wise, and at a high level like that, ever having a guy score that many points in that amount of time. When you look at Florida State, you guys were up by 25 on two different occasions. They got it down to six. Just what you can say about keeping that poise throughout the game. Yes, sir. I mean, coach let us know. Every coach here, assistant, the assistant, so the uh, media guys, I mean, they all let us know, like, this team, they play in runs, and they do runs, and that's basketball right there for you. And that's what they did tonight. They uh, they always they always play like that. Every time we play them, they're a tough team. They shoot the ball really well, and they get after it. What's a game like this teach you when you go up against a team like that that is able to shrink a 25-point lead on your side? I mean, um, a team like that, with everyone who can attack the rim and stuff like that, I mean, we uh, just adjusting to it and just playing together and sticking to our keys is how we adjust really well to it. Thoughts on Quentin and just what he's been as a leader to this team? I mean, uh, I always, I always say Q, Q plays. Uh, he plays bigger than how tall he is, and I mean, he fights really hard. And he's a captain to this team. He's a leader, so that's what he does. And lastly, for me, you guys have got, had to go through a coaching change, everything that's going on off the court, and all that. Just what you can say about going up against adversity and still having life right now. Yeah, I mean, um, with the coaching change happening, and Coach David Padgett and Trent Johnson, Mike Bowdy, uh, we got uh, my guy uh, Greg Paulus. Uh, my man, uh, R.J. Evans, all those guys coming in and stepping up for us and just teaching us the world of basketball, how to play together is just big, and I'm glad they're doing it right now. Sure. Appreciate Good it, boss. Good to see you. That coming from Ray Spaulding once again. Love the fact that he calls me boss. Big ups to you, Ray Spaulding. Thanks for being a part of the show. Coming up next is Dwayne Sutton, teammate of Ray Spaulding, about the poise that his team had. Just that level of, we got this. This is what he had to say. Oh, you know, basketball is a game of runs. People are going to hit shots. They're going to miss some. You just got to make sure you don't want to affect it uh, too much to where it affects your game. I think we just kind of, in the second half, we stayed poised. We did turn the ball over, which is important. We made free throws. When you look at the play around the rim, just what you can say about, you know, what you guys do around the rim as far as offensively, just attacking and making sure that even if they get their hands on the ball, you're just banging around and they're making sure that you come up with it. Uh, you know, it's always important to get every loose ball you can because that affects you. It gets you extra possession. Uh, you know, me being you know, 6'5", going down low sometimes. I just got to use my strength and my quickness to get some loose ball. I think I did that for the most part tonight. Speaking of the physicality as well as the positioning, when it comes to Louisville, I mean, you guys are, are a threat down there to get those second and third chance opportunities. Well, you know, we got Ray. We got Ray Honest and D.A. They fight for every loose ball. You know, D.A. makes tough shots. And I think when we have that kind of versatility with D.A., Honest, and Ray, it makes matchups diff difficult for other teams. And I think that's going to help us in the near future. What can you learn from a team like Florida State that was able to shrink that 
advantage that you had. I mean, you were up by almost 30 points, and they brought it down to two possessions. What do you learn from that? Uh, at the end of the day, you just got to stay poised. Uh, even if you're up 30, down 30, you just got to play the same way and make sure you play, play to win and don't play not to lose. I think if you make free throws, don't turn the ball over. You have a good chance of winning once you get up. When you say play to win, don't play not to lose, do you feel like there were times in this game where maybe Louisville was playing not to lose, in your opinion, uh, your team was doing that? I don't think we did. I think they just made some tough shots. Uh, you know, Coach Padgett enforced in the halftime that we got we got to play the same way we did in the first half in order to sustain the lead. But they made shots which, uh, you know, shrink the lead, and that's why you saw the score the way it was. What can you say about a guy like Phil Kofer who hit yeah. three three-pointers mm -hmm. in a row, had nine points in less than two minutes? Oh, uh, you know, that was a big boost for them. He made some tough shots, uh, but that was part of the game plan. It was the fourth thing to make tough, contested jump shots. And I think it's just a matter of him got hot, you know. When a player gets hot, it's kind of hard to stop him, you know. You got Virginia coming up. This is time number three. Your teammate, Ray Spalding, said yeah. third time's a charm. Third time is a charm. You know, last week, we pretty much had the game wrapped up, but, you know, we blew it. I think this time uh, we'll take care of business if we get the opportunity, and I think it's going to be a good game. Point nine seconds, five points, just if you've ever been in a game like that. I can't say that I have, but, you know, everything happens for a reason, and I think tomorrow if we come out with the same energy that we did for the first 39 minutes of last week's game, then we should be fine. Moving from the Louisville Cardinals into my conversations off of day two, the second round of the ACC tournament with Wake Up Call live on location in Brooklyn, New York. Jerome Robinson is up next. Jerome Robinson was on the show after the first round as well. Just what he could say about the trust in his shot. He hit a big-time shots down the stretch, big-time shots in the second half, and a big-time shot with just a few seconds left on the clock. Here's what Jerome Robinson had to say about the trust in his shot. It's, it's just knowing and being confident in, in what, what the work you put in. And um, we know, I, I mean, I haven't been hitting that well since the tournament started. And um, just sticking to it, you know, don't don't overthink it, just play the game. And uh, I, got, I got a couple of my shots towards the end, and I just had to knock them down. And there were also other opportunities, uh, one one that you had in the second half where you came down and jammed the ball home, and then shortly after that had the baseline jumper where you fell down after that. Just yeah. what you can say about plays like that, because those are momentum boosters as yeah. well. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what the game is for. That's that's what you need. You need momentum. You need hype plays to get your team going, get your bench up, and it, and it and it rolls over to your teammates. You know what I mean? It might get Kai going. It might get might get Steph going. It's it's just building confidence for your team, and and it's uh, it's awesome to see it from anybody on the team. With a break in the action, you came out, dribbled down toward the lane, and then stopped for that pull-up jumper. Just what you can say to me on that, because that helped create some separation, and ultimately, the team was able to knock down free throws after that. Yeah, it was. It was just to get to my spot at that point. Um, I mean, it was late in the game. Coach gave me the ball, and um, he just told me to go, get the ball screen and go. And um, I got to my spot and knocked it down. There's guys from all over the country that hope for an opportunity to be on a Division One men's basketball team. Not only that, to be a starter, no. and then not only that, to, but to be the guy that your coach trusts with no. the ball. Just what you can say about getting to that point. It's awesome. I, kn I knew the work put me here, um, and and for anybody that the work can't get you there, you know what I mean? And and as a young kid, that, that my parents instilled that hard work, hard work gets you a lot of places, and, and I think it's gotten me this far so far. So far. <laughs> Looking at BC and what you guys have done up to this point, you were a 12 seed coming into this. Mm -hmm. You've beaten teams like Duke in the regular season. You come in and win two games here. You're on to the quarterfinals. Do you feel like this team has done enough for that NCAA committee to give you a shout? Um, I, I really, I really couldn't tell you. But I, I think for for our for our own for our own team is we want to win the championship. We want our championship is be the way that we get in the NCAA tournament. I don't think we want anybody to to put us in because we won a couple games. We beat a couple teams, big teams. We wanted to be that we won the championship and then we get an automatic bid. I think we have the confidence to do it and we know that we can compete with every, anybody in this conference. 
So I think that's big for us. Just a little while ago, BC had won two games in the ACC. This time around, you guys get seven in the regular season. Now you have nine mm -hmm. for this season. Just what you can say about the turnaround of Boston College basketball? Yeah, just just literally trusting the process. We we knew it would take time, um, and it's, it's something Coach told us that that it was going to take time, and just just putting in the work. To find the right pieces and, and trust in what coach coach has been teaching us. Uh, I think I think that's what we've done so far. From Jerome Robinson to his teammate Kai Bowman, the man that I mentioned in the maroon hair, all throughout the season and into the ACC tournament. Just what he can say the team did to stave off NC, NC State, who made a push toward the end. Uh, we knew that it was going to make a run. Uh, basketball uh, in ACC is all about runs, and they made a great one in the uh, second half. So we knew that the pressure was going to pick up. Their fans got involved, and that happened to us at Florida State. So with their fans getting involved, they picked up more pressure, their energy raised. So that was hard for us. So we had to adjust and calm down. You had stood some runs in the first round of this tournament by Georgia Tech, and then in the second round against NC State. Just what you can say about this team's poise and your ability to trust in one another when you're in situations like uh, just building off the confidence of each other and also knowing that we got this chip on our shoulder, not just from us not been, been playing well as we we have against some of the teams in the first half, but knowing that we can play against anybody in the, in the conference. When we look at it, not too long ago, Boston College had two wins in the ACC. You had seven in the regular season. Now you have nine overall with these two in the ACC tournament. Just what it says about the turnaround of Boston College brand of basketball and what you think about where Boston College is heading. Uh, as Coach was saying, loyalty. Uh, everybody been loyal to this program. Just not uh, the last two years we faced a lot, and uh, as me, uh, I faced a lot last year. So just knowing that we're going to go through hard times, but at one point it's going to break. So this year is happily the breaking point. And speak with me on just your relationship with Jerome and how much you guys trust one another and how you can carry this team on your shoulders when you need to. Uh, just uh, off the court, he's a brother to me. Uh, I can talk to him about anything. And on the court, he's also also there for a leader. If I'm not vocal, he's the vocal one so it helps a lot and knowing that if his shot's going down I need to get it to him and let him make plays for us so helps out a lot. You said that coach and the team believe that this year was a breaking point. What made you believe that this was the breaking point for Boston College? Uh, just knowing that everybody understand the roles that we had to play and maintain, uh, not just going about one uh, individual player, just knowing that we're a team, not just individual, and that we had to do that together. When you look at the outside looking in, uh, people want to say what they want to say about a team and where you are, where you're going to be, if you're this, if you're not. What can you say about closing out all the outside? noise and just playing Boston College basketball? Uh, we just we had our, our back against the wall for the past two years so we know what is expected but uh, us as a team we just worry about what's going on in the locker room and going out there play and have fun with each other. And the focus uh, lastly for me the focus is on you and Jerome just what you could say about some of your other teammates that have stepped it up and just what you can say about the locker room as a whole and what this culture of the team is. Uh, everybody's taking part in the personnel everybody's focused everybody focused in 100 percent Everybody focused in 100% and we've just been, been ready to play, so that helped out a lot. That coming once again from Kai Bowman of the Boston College Eagles in my one-on-one -on -one conversations with the teams inside of the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament down here as Wake Up Call goes live from Brooklyn, New York. Coming up next, and right before we get into our live conversation with Daywan Coleman, I want to get over to Notre Dame, TJ Gibbs Jr. on the comeback win and the poise of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 
Um, I just think it shows how much heart we have. This team's uh, always been battling. Um, I think that's the biggest part about this team, and uh, we know that we got to continue to fight for more. We have another one tomorrow that we just got to get, and uh, we're taking it one game at a time. What is it about Notre Dame that since entering the ACC, especially whenever you get in this tournament, it's hard to get you out? Um, I think it's our culture. I mean, um, back from the guys like Jaron and Pat, um, the, the winning tradition has always been passed down, and um, just having that flow from our seniors down to um, everybody on this team, it, it's an amazing thing. You just got to keep it going. Whether it was you or Rex or Bonzi or Matt or whoever it may be, just what you could say about down the stretch, just trusting in one another and getting those shots when you needed them, making those free throws when you needed them as well. Um, I mean, that's what this team does. Uh, we trust each other 1 through 11, and we know that uh, we just got to continue to play hard and continue to play together. And uh, when we do things like that, it doesn't really matter who's taking the shot. Um, we have confidence in each other that it's going to go in, and, and that's the biggest thing. The two threes that Virginia Tech made down the stretch, they had been in a drought from 6.50 to 29 seconds left, and then they hit those two shots to make it 68-65. Just what you can say defensively going in after that. Um, we know that uh, that's, they're a good team. I mean, they're going to find a way to hit shots. Um, we held them for that long. That was, that was a big part of the game, and uh, we know that eventually they were going to hit one. And we, we call it game situations and just getting down to the wire and knowing that we have to continue to play and make plays, and uh, that's what we are able to do. And at the end of the game, it was Rex that stole the ball to take that possession and take it away for good. Just what you can say about plays like that to silence any opportunity. Um, that's what he does. I mean, Rex is our glue guy. Uh, he does it all for us. He scores, he passes, he rebounds, he, he gets steals, he makes big plays. Uh, he did it with South State. He does it tonight. Um, that's what we need him to do. And just uh, it's fun to see and fun to watch and just fun to be a part of. Team went 7-8 and eight without Bonzi Colson. And obviously Matt was out for some of that. Just what you can say about the performance that the team had in that period at that time? Um, this team is a fighting team. I mean, um, clearly missing those two guys is uh, something that's big and something that we that we always got to keep uh, fighting for. And we know that while they were down, uh, we had to keep fighting. And I think that's the biggest part. That's what helped us win this game. We, we've been through so much adversity this year, um, and we're just not going to let it affect us. I mean, this was a, a game where we went through adversity. We're down 21, and we had to make a comeback. And just moments like that is what this team is built for. And then as far as Mike Bray, just what you can say about what he's done as a head coach and how he kept you guys together through that adversity and through those rough patches? Um, he's the guy. I mean, he, he has the utmost confidence in all of us, and uh, he does a great job of, of making sure that we keep our head throughout the game and just making sure that we're not frustrated and we know that things are going to happen. And um, when we trust in him and he, he comes through every time, whatever he says, uh, it's true. He says we need to get a kill. We get a kill, we win the game. Um, we have the utmost confidence in him and just uh, knowing that he has our back is the biggest thing. That coming once again from T.J. Gibbs of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I caught up with his teammate in the hallway right outside the locker room after their victory, Rex Fluger, who's no stranger to wake-up call with Dan Tortora. Here's what Rex had to say about his steal at the end of the game that secured the victory and the comeback win for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish over the higher-seeded Virginia Tech Hokies. And after Rex, we'll head into a fast break and come back with Daywan Coleman. Uh, you know, I felt like a defensive back right there as I was reading his eyes at the quarterback, and I just went for it. And once I got that steal, just knowing that we solidified the victory, it was a great feeling. 
when you have I mean, Notre Dame has those plays, and if it's not you, it could be any guy on the team. Just what you say about those silencer moments, and they seem to happen in the ACC tournament a lot. You know, I don't know what it's about, but uh, we just love the we love the big games, we love the big lights, and when it comes down to March, it's just a time that we just really want to dig deep and win. And knowing that we have our full team back, it's nice, and it's just another uh, momentum builder to go off. ECC has been known as. Duke's conference, North Carolina's conference, and so on and so forth. When Notre Dame comes in with Syracuse, Louisville, and Pittsburgh, you guys have shown the most comfort. You've won an ACC championship. This team, this university knows what it's like to come into the ACC and wreak some havoc. Just what you can say about you know, having Notre Dame be relevant in the old Big East and be relevant in the new ACC. That's just a testament to the program and the coaching and the players I've gone through here. Uh, from Digger up to Coach Bray, Everybody, uh, they want to come play for this university because not only is it a great athletic university, but it's a great academic, and it provides structure for you uh, for the rest of your life. And just showing that you bring in quality men that want to work hard and give it their all every single night, and I think that's what we showed tonight. Your team gets punched in the gut. You're without Bonzi Colson, you're without Matt Farrell. You went through adversity, and you're here in the ACC tournament. You got Matt back, you got Bonzi back right before, and now you're heading on to the quarterfinals. Just what you can say about what this team goes through and bounces back from. I thought it was a perfect example. Um, this game was like our season. You know, we got punched in the gut uh, about midway through the game at the end of the first half, like we did having Bonzi and Matt go down. But the second half of the season, you know, anything can happen if you just change your mind to being positive and believing that you can do anything. And this team really believes in that. When Virginia Tech's up by 21 with 15 minutes left, just what was going on in the huddle for you guys? You know, it's crazy to sound, but there was a little bit of frustration from our team, which is unusual, but quickly everybody's just is so great with each other. The positivity comes in right, right back, calming everybody down, just reminding everybody that we've been in situations situations like this prior, especially all the veteran guys that have been here for three or four years. And so just knowing that we have this team that's just done it before, we just knew we could do it again. Trying to make the, the comeback, I know that you had some moments there that maybe didn't work out in your favor, and then right underneath the basket you were able to finish there in that road to the comeback. Just what you can say about keeping with it personally and, and team-wise when things maybe aren't going your way, you just stay with it. You know, that's, that's life, baby. Basketball's like life. You just got to keep going. And no matter what happens, there's going to be a bunch of bumps, a lot of crap's going to hit the fan, but you can't let that get you down or deteriorate your mentality, and our team just kept fighting. Whether it's, I mean, down the stretch, you made, you made 21 of 25 free throws for the game, but down the stretch, 7 of 8 as a team. Just what you can say, I mean, I always like to use the hashtag free throws matter because yeah, we know that they do. So just what you can say about that. Uh, first of all, I'm sorry for missing that one free throw. <laughs> Second of all, you know, like Coach says, you know, free throws is one of our greatest weapons when it comes down to the end of games. We practice end of game situations on purpose for moments like this, and we always implement free throws. Just trying to get that type of game scenario in and make sure we're ready for when it comes. And lastly for me, TJ said to you, or TJ said with Mike Bray that when he says something, it becomes reality. When he says we need to go get a kill, you go get a kill. Just what you can say about Mike Bray, and apparently maybe he needs to be playing the slots a little bit more. You know, he's one of the best guys I've ever met. You know, that dude is just 
He's just so great for the team. Just his uh, everything he gives us. He's always so uplifting. He's never pushing us down. He just wants what's best for us, not only as basketball players but as humans. So having that bond with a coach like that really puts trust. When he puts trust in us, we really feel like we can trust this man. Like I say to you always, it seems like I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> Appreciate it. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family, your family, my family, their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora is live on location from Brooklyn, New York this week, covering the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament and Championship Week as a whole as I get set to release my bracketology for you. I don't do the crazy stuff of like doing it months and months and months and months and months in advance. I like to see what's going on in the conference tournament so that I can make a more of an educated estimate of where teams are going to be. So I will be putting that forward here this week, and I look forward to sharing that with you. I want to thank everybody that's graced the stage from the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament here in Brooklyn, from the likes of Boston College's Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman, to Josh Akogi and Todrick Jackson of Georgia Tech, to Rex Fluger, Bonzi Colson, Matt Farrell, and TJ Gibbs Jr. of Notre Dame, to Ray Spaulding and Dwayne Sutton of Louisville, Terrence Mann of Florida State, Alric Freeman of NC State, Justin Bibbs of Virginia Tech, as well as Marek Dolajai, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, Alan Griffin, assistant coach, all with Syracuse, to Matthew Moyer, Brahma Sidibe, Tyus Battle, and Pascal Chuku. So, I mean, I mean the whole team. So... <laughs> The whole team, as always, I thank each and every one of you for being a part of the show. I also want to give a special thanks to my Syracuse Orange alum that have been on the show. You know that during championship week, every single show that is aired live features at least one former Syracuse player in our 
unique and innovative and exciting way, I take it, uh, bringing you Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora to give you Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum during championship week on every single broadcast of the week. So I want to thank Dale Shackelford, Roosevelt Bowie Jr. I also want to thank Gene Waldron, Lawrence Moten, and Ryan Blackwell, and of course Craig Forth for coming on the show this morning. And first time ever Craig Forth's ever been on the show. So big shout out to each and every single one of you, and thank you so much for all that you do and, and all that you've done here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora to make the show even richer and even stronger than ever. So thank you for that, and praise be to God for everything that matters in life. With that being said, it's time to get into those Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball one-on-one conversations that I had the blessing of having here in the ACC tournament. We know, like I said, after day one, you heard my conversations on Wednesday, March 7th, with Marek Dolajai, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, and Alan Griffin. And today on March 8th, you will hear from Pascal Chuku, O'Shea Brissett, Matthew Moyer, Barama Sidibe, Frank Howard, and Tyus Battle in that order. So we're going to start things off with Pascal Chuku and what he had to say to me after the team's unfortunate loss in the ACC tournament's second round. Unfortunate for Syracuse, but they do have... 20 wins and an overall record of 20 and 13. So I start the conversation off with Pascal after that second round loss to the North Carolina Tar Heels by going first and foremost to what he thought happened in the game. Um, I just think you know, they got a lot of fouls go their way. You know, blocked a couple of shots and they caught their foul. Personally, I thought it was a block shot. I just don't know, like, you know, they just, everything just seemed to go their way tonight, and I don't know why. What was it about the offense? You know, there's a lot of shot clock violations for you guys. Just, you know, what would you attribute that to? Is that not looking for each other, just what you saw? Um, I mean, they took away a lot of things, you know, a lot of our plays. Um, you know, when, when we said ball screen, they hedge hard, they trap, like, you know, they just came out aggressive. Um, defensively, and I think that really affected us. Just, I mean, you get to be a part of history with Syracuse getting an ACC tournament victory, but then the next day taking a loss like this, just what you can say about the up and down of the ACC tournament for you to feel good yesterday and then to have this? Uh, I mean, the win yesterday definitely felt good, but you know, losing to the same team again, you know, the last time we lost to them, you know, it left a little bad taste in our mind. And to lose, lose to them again, you know, that's not something that makes you feel good. So it definitely gets me that we get to lose this game. It's a game that we really needed to win to make um, um to uh, improve our resume for the NCAA. So, you know, it's unfortunate that we didn't get, get the win. You have 20 wins and 13 losses. What do you think moving forward? Do you feel like you've done enough for the committee to see something? Um, yeah, definitely. I think we got a couple good wins. Um, we got Miami, Louisville um, away, and we got a couple home, you know, a couple good home home games. And you know, I think I definitely think it's enough to um, make the tournament. But again, it's not up to me. So we're gonna have to wait and see what um, what they they decide. And then lastly, just what Coach Beheim had to say after this game. Just what his words were to you guys. Um, I mean, he said how proud he was of everybody, how we battled. You know, we had ups and downs, injuries left and right, and you know we're still fighting. 
um, not just you know stuff like that. He just you know told us how proud he was, and you know all we gotta do is wait for the decision of the committee and see where where um, what happens. The fan base has, you know, went out of their sails after a game like this, but, you know, this is a team where you guys have had to rely on five guys, no bench, five guys and maybe half of a guy on the bench or two guys on the bench. I mean, you've done a lot to get to 20 wins, so just, you know, what you can say about that, that, you know, when you look at your resume, you guys were able to accomplish a lot of things with out with the rest of the ACC has, which is a bench. Yeah, um, I mean... It's like it's unfortunate that we had to, you know, lose a couple players due to injury and stuff. But you know, we didn't let that you know stop us. You know, we set a goal in the beginning of the season, and you know, that's to make the NCAA you know win as many games as possible. And I think you know, we all came together and worked towards that, and you know, we were able to uh, win 20 games. A lot of people in the beginning of the season, you know, they thought, oh, yeah, we're gonna win 12, 14, 17, maybe. But you know, we came came out and won 20. I think it shows a lot um, about the team. It says a lot about the team. That coming from Pascal Chuku and, and from one big to another big and former teammates of one another, Daywan Coleman's live on the line right now. And so we're happy to have Daywan on the show as we continue every single episode aired live of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora during championship week for the third straight year features former Syracuse players in every single broadcast. So, Daywan Coleman joining the likes of Craig Forth this morning. And so, two big men for Syracuse and two big men that have gotten to a Final Four. Daywan, just uh, how you're doing this morning, how everything's going? I'm doing pretty good. And, and you know, Day, you know these guys. I mean, you th- these are your teammates. You know, these are guys that, that you've spent time with uh, very recently here. You know, you were a teammate of Frank Howard's, uh, Pascal Chukus, Tyus Battles, Matthew Moyer. Just what you could say about what happened in this game, 78-59, to 59, the debacle that, that it was. Syracuse loses by almost 20 points in the game. Just what you saw from this game. Uh, I think we played pretty hard. You know, I think it just got – we just didn't really get any uh, key stops like we should have, but – it is what it is, you know. I think they play hard. Uh, they didn't really go our way, but it's always a next game. So hopefully we can get into the tournament and we can try to turn things around. So, What can you say about this year's team and, and just what they've done, just what you've taken away from them? Because I feel that, you know, to get to 20 wins, that's like the magic number that people think for the NCAA Selection Committee. But at the same time, this was a, a really hard-fought 20, and not that all the other ones weren't, not that, you know, when you were there that they weren't and whatnot, but to look at this team, there's no bench. I mean, you guys had a bench, yeah. you had reserves, you had guys that could come back in. If Frank Howard messed up, you could bring in John Gillen. If there's, you know, uh, if, if Malachi needs a moment out, then you can shift him out and do this, that, and the other. They, you know, you were on teams with multiple guards and a couple different centers, and, you know, multiple forwards out there, there was depth at the position. If Tyler Lydon wasn't getting it done, then Roby goes in. If Roby wasn't getting done, maybe you go in. Then, you know, then they shift over to Tyler Lydon. Then they bring in Benajay and Cooney, and then Cooney out, Malachi in. The team doesn't have that this year. So just what you can say about getting to 20 wins without having a bench, really. 
I think uh, well, this year's team getting the 20 wins, I think, is is kind of amazing because, you know, just dealing with the injuries and, you know, when you're playing six guys, it can be tough. And I don't think a lot of people understand that, but it could be tough. So everything, you know, they, they all the games they won, they really have to work for it. So I think it's, it's pretty good for this team. I think getting the 20 wins, I'm, I think you can't, really can't really ask more of this team. I think they played really hard this year, and uh, hopefully we get into the tournament, but we'll see. What can you say about, you know, if you feel that this team, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to be impartial here, uh, taking a look at this Syracuse team, they've defeated Miami and Miami, Louisville and Louisville. They defeated Virginia Tech. They defeated Clemson. They defeated Buffalo, who's a good team this year. You know, Georgetown's been up and down, but won that game on the road in overtime. Has this team done enough, in your opinion, to get in the tournament? I believe so. Uh, you know, them key wins, but even if the games we lost, it was it was some close games, and that yeah, they could have either went either way. But you know, like. Uh, a lot of teams not playing Duke twice, North Carolina twice, you know, um, and have tough, tough. I don't think a lot of teams had a tough schedule like we did this year, you know what I mean? And with only six players. And I think uh, we have some uh, key wins this year. I think if we do get to this tournament, I think we could play with anybody, you know? And, you know, your team in 2016 made it to the tournament when some people thought that they weren't supposed to, and you went all the way to the Final Four as a 10 seed. So, you know, your team, do you see any similarities, any parallels? I know you had different personnel and whatnot, but do you see anything in, in your team that wasn't supposed to make the tournament, so to speak, and then went to the Final Four? Do you see anything with this year's team that makes them dangerous as far as any parallels between the two? I think both of the teams is very different. You know, I think we actually had a bench, you know what I mean? And them playing with only six guys is that type of right there. Like, both of the teams is really different. But I think uh, this team could play with, definitely could play with anybody in the country, I think. So, I think if we get, if we get that chance, I think, I think, uh, they can, they can make a run, you know what I mean? I think as everybody comes to play together uh, and we play good on defense, you know, if we play good on defense, it's going to translate to offense. And I think if we get in a tournament, I think we would be pretty good. That coming from Daywan Coleman of the Syracuse Orange men's basketball history. Daywan, you know the bad taste in your mouth of playing North Carolina Syracuse this season just got bumped out of the ACC tournament by North Carolina. Just what you could say about the Tar Heels. Is there a rivalry brewing? Do you feel like it's, it's you know, one of the big bad wolves, so to speak, that Syracuse has to blow the house down on, you know, in the ACC? Just what your takeaways are having faced Carolina and lost to them in a big-time situation and Syracuse fighting for their life this season and losing to North Carolina as well. Yeah, um... I was, I would say it's a rivalry, but then again, like the ACC, like every game you're gonna have to come and play. It's not like uh, North Carolina stick out 
it's one of the teams that stick out in front of everybody in ACC. But, like, I think it's a lot of good teams in the ACC, and you got to definitely come out and play against everybody. But, yeah, North Carolina, just losing to North Carolina in the last couple of years, it's unfortunate, but I think it is a, it's a little rivalry going on. You know what I mean? North Carolina is a good program. They ran by a good coach. And they also always have good players coming in there. So I think every time we play North Carolina, uh, it, it would be a good game. J1, you know, this season to, to get to where the team has gotten to and, and to be where they're at right now, what can you say that you've taken away from them? Uh, from my point of view, looking at the game, it looked like Syracuse had, you know, one foot out the door of the arena while the game was still going on in the second half. You know, it just it looked like they were a shell of themselves. They didn't look comfortable. They weren't playing their game. The game was kind of getting dictated to them. Just what you took away from that North Carolina game? Uh, from last night? Yeah, from last night. I felt like once it got a little out of hand, I think we regathered ourselves and we almost made a comeback. You know what I mean? I, I felt like our guys didn't give up. They almost uh, We almost came back, and unfortunately, we ran out of time. You know, uh, we got it down to, I think, what, 10? Nine, I think, at one point, and I think just like them just continue to fight, it just show you the heart of the team. So I think it was a it was a well fought game. Unfortunately, we got the loss, but you just have to look. You just have to look at the future now. So and and before I let you go, Daywan, what type of advice would you give to? Matthew Moyer. I mean, you were a teammate of his. You know, he he wanted to get out on the on the court, and he was redshirted last year. This season, he had an opportunity to get out there, and we saw him sparingly. What can you if if Matt Moyer is sitting with me right now here in Brooklyn? What would you want to say to him? Uh, just keep his head up. Uh, just know that he's a good player. Keep his head up, and just keep working, you know. It's not the end of the world. Just keep working. Keep continue to get better. That's, that should be his main goal every day is how he could get better from the next day. Um, just keep his head up. Just keep fighting. Day one, you know, you went through your moments where you were on the bench when you were 100% ready to play, so you've dealt with the ebb and flow of things. What can you say about that? You know, when Bayheim puts you down on that bench and, and you know, there's that sense from the outside looking in that he doesn't have faith in you. Did you ever feel that way? Did you ever feel like Coach lost faith and you had to gain it back? Or, you know, just what your sense of that was? Because guys like Matt Moyer are going through it now and, and other guys have gone through it in history and some have stayed and some have left. You know, Geno Thorpe decided to leave. Caleb Joseph decided to leave. Matt, Matt Moyer, to be determined. But, you know, did you did you ever feel in those moments where you were ready to go and, and Coach wasn't putting you out there that he had ever lost faith in your game and you had to find a way to get it back? Uh, I would just say you just got to believe in yourself. You know what I mean? Like, even if uh, you're not playing, you got to believe that I should be out there and whatever I, I can do to be out there, that's what I'm going to do. So if that was me going back to the gym the next day just uh, get extra shots up or hitting the weight room or something like that 
you just gotta have that mindset. Just like I'm good to be out there, and that's 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 it. That's what just what it's gonna be. Is it fair to say that you have to be very strong-minded and very confident in oneself and have thick skin to go through college life with Jim Beheim? Is is it fair to say that you have to be a thick-skinned person who knows who you are? Uh, of course. You know, everybody want to play. You know, uh, either if that's at Syracuse or any any other school. You know, everybody want to play, and. You know, not playing is like, yeah, you definitely have to be strong-minded because a lot of people can get down or, like, quit or something like that, but you have to be strong-minded. You, you can't just, you know, quit. You just got to come back that next day and just keep working. That coming from Daywan Coleman, the team looking to come back and keep working and have an opportunity. Day, the final question for you, if the NIT came calling again, Syracuse doesn't get in the tournament and the NIT says, would you like to play in the NIT? What would you do if you're Coach Bayheim? Would you look at this season and say, you know what, guys, it's been exhausting, it's been tiring, it's been tough, you guys played a hell of an effort, and we're just going to say, you know, thanks but no thanks, or do you play in the NIT? Oh, no. Definitely play in the NIT. I mean, you can't just really just quit like that. You know what I mean? Like, game is a game. So, if it's the NIT or the NCAA, like, it's basketball. So, why not play? That coming from. That coming from Daywan Coleman. DC is going to join me on Sunday, August 12, 2018, at the CNY Pop Festival. You can buy your tickets at cnypopfestival.com. Day, as always, man, I appreciate it. I thank you so much for being a part of the show. I look forward to talking with you very soon, and uh, hopefully some some good things will happen in the BK and on Selection Sunday, and then, you know, we'll get after it from there. I think we we owe each other lunch, so we got to make sure we make that happen. Sounds good. All right, man, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Take care. That coming from Daywan Coleman once again. We'll take a quick step aside. We'll come back with Through the Looking Glass, a very special one, as we continue the conversations with the Syracuse Orange men's basketball team from the ACC tournament. This is a wake-up call fast break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or a wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Pennant Trophy Center on 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, has been making memories for Central New York for over 60 years. It has the trophies for your teams, and when you walk in there, it's so much more than just that. When you walk into the Pennant Trophy Center, you are immersed in the reality that anything can be customized, anything can be engraved, whether it's for your anniversary, your wedding, your bar mitzvah, your birthday party, whatever you want to do with that memory, that watch from grandpa, or that bracelet from mom, or that wedding ring that's been passed down through your family. If you want to get something engraved with a memory to last a lifetime, the Pennant Trophy Center, 111 East Willow Street in Syracuse, New York, where memories are made and where memories last a lifetime. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue 
in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315-487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash DT. Proud to be here with you live on location from Brooklyn, New York, all week long for the ACC Men's Basketball Tournament and Championship Week as a whole across the nation as we get set for what is to come, Selection Sunday, and of course my bracketology leading up and into that. During the broadcast, Kevin Stallings was let go by the Pittsburgh Panthers. It is, you never wish bad on anybody, so I'm going to sit here and be like, oh, you know, you know he, he obviously had a tumultuous time there. 24 wins to 41 losses in two seasons. The team went 0-19 in the ACC, 0-18 in the regular season, and did not win a game in the ACC tournament, losing to Notre Dame. So it didn't look like it was working, and obviously Pittsburgh felt the same way. Uh, my best to Pittsburgh and my best to Kevin Stallings moving forward as, you know, just two years removed from Jamie Dixon leaving the program, Pittsburgh is once again looking for a head coach. With that being said, we move on here in the morning menu and get back into the conversations with Syracuse. You heard from Pascal Chuku in the second round of the ACC tournament. I had an opportunity to sit down with Pascal Chuku, O'Shea Brissett, Matthew Moyer, Barama Sidibe, Frank Howard, and Tyus Battle. You heard from Pascal right before Daywan came on, ironically, two big men that used to play together on the same team last season. And coming up next is O'Shea Brissett. O'Shea Brissett is going to grace the stage here of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora in our one-on-one conversation about what he thought happened after the team started 5-for-6 from three-point range. Um, I feel like we got away from what we were doing, which was moving the ball and uh, you know stuff like that. But they're, they're a great defensive team. They, they figured out you know, what was working for us, and they took that away, uh, coming out on you know, me and uh, Tyus a lot harder, um, you know, getting their hands up and just making complete closeouts. So um, it made it a, tough, a lot more tougher to you know, get those shots out. Do you feel like you guys looked for each other enough in this game? I mean, from the outside looking in, it it seemed like there was a lot of passes around the perimeter, not a lot of stuff inside, and then you guys out on the perimeter when you saw that shot clock going down were trying to mm-hmm. get in yourself and, and force some shots. Do you feel like there should have been more movement? Um, no, I feel like we, we stuck with the same game plan that we've been you know, playing with all season. Um, they're just a great defensive team. They made it tough for us to get in the paint. And, um, you know, if you're to say – or anyone were to say we weren't uh, getting the ball inside a lot more. It's not because we were, you know, just trying to pass the ball around the perimeter. It's just, you know, they're a great defensive team. They were there in the help. Your 2-3 zone typically creates shot clock violations. You guys had a bunch on offense. Just what you can say about 
some of the things that didn't go your way offensively and, and having to force up some shots at the end of the shot clock? Uh, you know, kind of like I said before, uh, we weren't we weren't driving a lot because of their defense, and it caused a lot of passing around that just that just wastes times. Uh, you know, didn't have anything going to the basket, so it wasn't you know effective for us. But um, I feel like we should just pay more attention to that. Got a lot more movement, a lot more screens, and that would have canceled out a lot of those um, you know shot clock violations. I saw that uh, Barama City Bay, you know, toward the end of the game, was trying to set some screens on the top of the key and, and open up some of you guys, free up some of you guys. Do you wish that that was some of the stuff that you worked on more, pick and rolls and some screens and whatnot? Now we we we're a pick and roll team. We love, you know, that's that's a big part of our offense. We want to get uh, Tyus and Frank open out those screens, and you know they can make plays once they get in the paint. But um, you know, a lot of our offensive struggles comes from, you know, they're they're great defense. They're great. They knew how to uh, hedge on those screens really well. So. You know, that's what stopped us. You have the positive feel of being a part of the first ACC tournament win for Syracuse, and then the day after you have the total opposite feel. Just what you can say about the roller coaster of emotions and where you stand at this point? Um, this is basketball. You know, what I've learned, you know, this season we will lose three straight and go on to win, you know, three straight. So uh, just keeping our heads up and playing every game like it's our last doesn't matter. Uh, the outcome is something that I've learned to, uh, throughout the season. This team has done a lot, and I don't think you necessarily get the credit for getting to 20 wins with having to play with just your starters at times. You know, I, I said that at best you guys are five and a half, maybe six guys, mm -hmm. and you're playing against other teams, you know, in the ACC alone that have benches to go to. Some of them play six or seven guys off the bench. Yeah. Just what you can say about what you've achieved as a team not having what other teams have and you don't get to take a break and you are 40 minute men a lot of you are yeah um i gotta give credit to everyone on this team uh fought hard from you know guys that were on the bench and the guys that were playing uh it doesn't matter i feel like everyone was you know with it and they all wanted to win um a lot of people did say we were 15 14 win team but we made it to 20 and you know that's a milestone in itself so we just got to see what happens on sunday do you think you've done enough when you look back at the season, you look at some of those victories at home and on the road, do you feel like there's a case for the committee to let you in? I feel so. Um, you know, I have complete confidence in our guys, so I know if we are to get in the tournament, I feel like we would be able to make a big impact in it. So, um, you know, they'll make their decision, but um, whatever happens, we're going to keep our heads up and just play whatever we have to play. What have you learned the most from this team this season, just what you can see from what you guys have had to endure to get to the place that you're in and like I said from the outside looking in you don't always get credit for those 20 mm -hmm. but from the inside looking out just what you can say about how hard it was and how how much you fought to get to 20. Um, you know, I've learned just to continue to fight uh, it doesn't matter the circumstance you know we were down uh, the Georgetown game down 13 came back and won that um, down these guys a whole bunch came back cut it to 10 cut it to 6 so um you know, just got to keep keep going. Don't ever give up. Don't ever hang your head. Um, that's something that Coach preached to us a lot uh, this season. You know, once, once we start hanging our heads, that's when you know, the losses start coming and all that stuff. But, you know, just just playing every game like, you know, we're on a win streak. It doesn't matter, you know, what, what happened in the past. Just look on forward. What does a game like this teach you? What can you take away from a game like this? Uh, you know, nothing's going to be easy. It doesn't matter, you know, who you play, when you play. Um, you know, we're we in it. Last time we played them at the Dome, you know, lost by four, but, you know, today they came out a lot stronger, uh, different game plan. So I've learned from this game that, you know, nothing's going to change. So we just got to keep going, you know, stick, stick with the team, stick with the game plan.
People are going to ask this of you. Do you have any thought in your mind of not being here next year? Or do you have every hope in the world to be here? I have not thought of that <laughs> like at all. So I don't even, I don't, I don't not at all. I've never thought about that at all. Do you have a taste in your mouth, that you, that bad taste that you want to make sure you come back here next year and get that taste out of your mouth? Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I want to every game that we lost this year. When, once we play them again next year, I'm gonna I'm gonna look to win it. I'm look to be a big part of the win. So, uh, yeah, just like you said, the bad taste in my mouth. You know, losing to UNC, losing to Duke, Virginia, and all those big games. I feel like next year I gotta you know be one of the guys to help us win those games. That coming once again from O'Shea Brissett in our one-on-one -on -one conversation from the ACC tournament second round. Coming up next is Matthew Moyer on what he learned from this season. Um, just to uh, keep going, you know, regardless, just keep going. You had an opportunity to get out there a few times in this game. Just what you can say you took away from that, and if you feel like, you know, just kind of how you saw this game go, it didn't go in your favor, but just what you took away from being out on four. Um, I mean, I guess you know, North Carolina's a good team. Um, I guess, you know, for the amount of time I was in there, I just, you know, I saw, you know, they moved the ball well, and um, they're a good team. You waited a long time to put the jersey on for Syracuse and then to get out there. Just what you can say about, you know, the adversity of having to wait your turn, essentially, and just how you've navigated through that. Um, you know, um, you know, especially the beginning of the season, I was excited, you know, to play, and... Um, I got that opportunity, and I'm blessed for that. What do you look at from here? I mean, how do you move forward from where you're at right now? Do you think about coming back here and pushing harder next year? Do you look? Um, at this point, I'm just thinking about this season, you know, just trying to finish the season however it goes. And um, hopefully we can sit in Selection Sunday and uh, be happy. Um, I think we uh, put together a good case. I mean, 20 wins. It's a, it's a good amount, but, um, you know, hopefully um, some teams can lose and some things can fall in our way and we can get in. That's about it. I feel like we haven't seen a, a lot of Matt Moyer in the sense of, you know, everything that you have in your wheelhouse. What can you say about yourself as a player and maybe some of those things we haven't seen yet, just how you envision yourself collegially? Um, I think I'm very talented. I think I have just as good as ability as anybody. I'm very confident in my abilities and, um, you know, I'm just going to keep getting better. Being a part of this team, it was a hard-fought road to get to 20 wins. Just what you can say about being in the locker room, being around these guys and gutting out victories as a, as a team. Um, you know, it's a good, you know, we're, we're, we're close as a team and, um, uh, we, we, we got a lot of wins that people didn't expect us to get, and um, I'm happy we did that. And, um, you know, our season, um, you know, a lot of people are not happy, I guess, about our season, but I think we fought hard, and um, the whole season we, we gave it we, we gave it everything we got. And, I mean, honestly, the few of the games that we had were really close, and they just didn't fall our way. You know, you, we have a few of those games. You know, we have a Notre Dame back. We have, a, you know, a few other games back, you know. Where it's where one possession decides the game, you know, we're we're talking about 100% being in. And when you look at something like that, that there were all those close calls, and like you said, maybe not getting credit to where you guys got to. You were playing up against teams that had five, six, seven guys coming off their bench. You know, you guys would play five and a half, 
if, if some guy wasn't at full go, six, maybe seven. Just what you can say about gutting out the wins the way that you did, getting a 20, and, and I agree with you that, that maybe there isn't that respect there, but deservedly so, you, there should be respect for getting a 20 for this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think our fans give us enough enough credit for, you know, the hard hard fighting we did, and um, we got the 20 wins, and um, that's that's tough. You know, that's that's tough to do playing five guys, five five six guys down the stretch, um, and having a lot of injuries throughout the season that can that can hurt things. So, um, but um, you know. You can always say, you can always look back and be like, you know, I wish we'd have got that win, but then you can always look back and say, like, a Georgetown. What if we didn't win that one? We got that close one. So, you know, it happens. And lastly, just kind of what you lean on when you're waiting your turn and wanting an opportunity and hungry to get out there. What do you lean on in your life, you know, either family-wise or, you know, just what you do to boost yourself up and bring that positivity? Uh, my dad, I mean... My dad is my rock. Um, ultimately, he he just has my best interests for me, and you know I wouldn't I wouldn't be here without my pops. And you know I listen to him for everything, everything I do, everything, every decision I make, every everything I make in in life. And um, you know he's been just you know talking to me, keeping me positive, and you know I, I love him. That's that's my my dad is my everything. What type of advice does your dad say to you in in a season like this? Like you said, he's your rock. You go to him for everything. What does he said to keep you going? Um, just be strong. Be strong mentally. You know, don't break. You know, it's hard. You know, to break, but can't break. Just be strong. Your dad's there for you. How are you there for him? What do you do to give back to your father? Um, I just tell him my situation. I talk to him. You know, I Facetime my dad every day. Um. Every single day, I'm on Facetime with him, talking to him. Um, I'm here, I'm there for him, and he's there for me. You know, if he has something at work that he wants to complain about, or something at his job that he wants to talk about, I'm always there to chop it up with him. And if there's something that's on my mind or anything, you know, about the team or whatever, you know, he's I'm, he's there for me. You could go to dad after this season, after all is said and done, wherever you guys end up, and sit down with dad and just kind of figure things out from there. Um, like I said, I'm just worried about this season. You know, I'm not next season. It's not even, not even processed yet. Not even. I'm not even thinking about next year. Not, let alone the summer. None of that. I'm just thinking about this team and trying to help this team as best as whatever opportunity I get to help this team win games. That's what I'm gonna do. That coming once again from Matthew Moyer on what he's learned from this season and so much more. I want to thank Matt for always giving me some time. Truly appreciate it, brother. Coming up next here is Barama Sidibe on what he was trying to do in the second half, fighting inside. If the ball wasn't getting passed inside, he was going off and getting it off the glass, went up numerous times, got numerous offensive rebounds, tried to set screens. Just what he can say he was attempting to do against North Carolina to try and get Syracuse back in it in the second half. I know I'm not in the best. I'm, I'm not a healthy right now. But when I get a chance to play, I just go 100%. What I go, I give the team. Whatever they need, I'm going to do for them. So that's all I can do. You haven't really felt 100% all season for the most part. Just yeah. what you can say about how frustrating that's been to know that. I mean, I'm kind of got to get used to it. And everybody know about it. But at the same time, I just feel like I got to go every day, give my best effort for the team. 
What I mean, the tendonitis, once you get some time after the season, do you feel like, you know, you can get yourself back to 100%? No, I'm just going to take a surgery after the season. That's all I got to do now. That's all I'm waiting for. So there is no way I'm going to sit down for like another month that to see how I'm going to feel now. I'm just going to take a surgery and take and take it off free so I can be, be ready for the next season. Do you know how long, once you take that surgery, how long it's going to be for you to rehab? I mean, it's not going to be that long, probably close to four or five months, which is not that much. Just, it's just going to take time. The more, the more I'm grinding, the more it's going to get, the, the better it's going to be. So. We know that you can block shots, your hand-eye coordination. We know you can attack the basket on offense as well. How frustrating is that for you that you don't have that 100% from you because when you started off the season, I mean, you obviously showed that you could do some good things and you had a good game against Pittsburgh? It's really very frustrating because even I won in the ball, guys, my teammate, they, it seemed like they don't want to give me the ball because they feel like there's no much thing I'm going to do because if I try hard, I'm going to hurt myself, whatever the reason is. So I'm just going to be playing defense, maybe run the floor for my teammate and get the guys open. From the inside to the outside, Frank Howard and Tyus Battle will round out today's broadcast of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, live on location in Brooklyn, New York. Frank Howard on what happened against North Carolina. Uh, you know, it just made it very tough for us um, on, on the offensive end. You know, uh, they, they played the paint very well, you know, controlled the paint, played the passing wells, uh, passing lanes very well. And, uh, you know, we just couldn't score. So we had some missing shots we, we could hit, and, uh, you know, just, things just didn't fall our way. The shot clock violations, you know, you had a bunch of them in this game. Just what you can say about what was going on. Was it just good defense on their part? Were you guys not moving enough? A little bit of both? Just what you took away from it? It was a little bit of both. I think uh, a few times we did get in the lanes in the second half. You know, I think we, we were moving the ball a little bit better, you know, screening away for each other. But, uh, I mean, kudos to them. You know, it, w it was really the defense, um, you know. They forced us into some tough shots, you know, clogged up the lanes and, uh, you know, forced us out instead of in. You get the first ACC victory in the tournament for the team for Syracuse, and this happens right after. Just what you can say about motions back and forth as you wait for the committee now. Uh, you know, we got to stay confident, you know, and stay positive. Uh, we fought all year, you know. Um, some stuff we, we, we did, you know, it was almost unheard of. You know, uh, we guys playing 40 minutes every night. Uh, Six guys and you know two of them being hurt as well. So you know, uh, you know my team played played hard all year. You know, uh, played play hard tonight. Um, shots didn't fall. You know, had some bad turnovers. Um, and, you know, we just didn't stop them. So kudos to them. You got 20 victories on the season. Do you feel like you get enough credit for this team really not having a bench and having five, six guys in a game? Like you said, a lot of you guys playing 40 minutes. Just what your takeaways are from getting a 20 on a season like this? I mean, you know, you, you're probably never going to get uh, you know, your credit you, you, you do. So everybody has something to say. But, you know, I'm proud of these dudes, you know. Proud of myself, proud of everybody in this locker room. You know, coaching staff as well. You know, uh, coach put us all in, in, in great positions all year. You know, uh, all we can do is hope for Sunday. Uh, we play hard. In my opinion, I think we deserve it. But uh, you know, uh, it's up in the air. What would you say to the committee if you're in front of them right now? I mean, uh, we, we fought hard every game. You know, and, and more than fought hard, we were in every game. You know, in my opinion, there's a few games here and there. You know. 
they, they got away from us at the end, but, you know, uh, we got asked any team to self, you know, they knew they had to come play us. That coming once again from Frank Howard of the Syracuse Orange and his teammate in the backcourt, Tyus Battle, up next. And just going off of what Frank said, what did he think about it? Was it the defense of North Carolina and Syracuse not moving around enough on offense? Does he think it's a one or the other or a little bit of both like Frank did? And this is what he had to say. Oh, yeah, it was a little bit of both. They're good. They're a really good defensive team. They made things really tough. Uh, every time we got to the paint, they were constantly trying to take a charge or stepping over and helping. And they're on the passing lane trying to jump passes and stuff like that. So they, they played us. They defended Frank and I well this time. When you look back on the game, you know, that you had with them just a little bit ago when it was 74-74, three minutes left to go in the game. You guys fought all the way back to that game. What was different about this game, in your opinion, from that game where you fought back at the end and, and then this one you guys tried to fight back, but they were able to keep it out at double digits? Uh, we didn't make shots. Um, last game, Frank and I got going. Uh, we got to the basket. Uh, even if they took a, tried to take charge, we, got, we finished around and made floaters and stuff like that this game. Shots weren't falling for us, and it happens sometimes. Shot clock violations. There was a, a few heaves that you had in the game. Just what you could say about that. I mean, was that just you know frustration of trying to find something, trying to get something going? Just just what you could say about some of those plays. Um, I mean, the defend as well. I got the ball. I try to get some up, but I mean, it happens. We look at you know the first ACC tournament victory for Syracuse, and then right after that, you have to have the uh, emotions of a loss like this. Just what you can say about the ups and downs of this tournament. Happy to get that victory, and then, you know, obviously having to go home after this one. I mean, um, I couldn't be more proud of this team. We, we fight every game. Um, people, people didn't expect much from us at all, but we fight. Um, and... and um, that's 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 all that matters. Just keep on fighting and make a game out of everything. Every time you step on the floor, it's just it's just it's tough to do, but we do it every time. Tyus, you had some depth depth last year on the team. Out of the five top scorers last season, you were the only one that came back. With Torian Thompson not here, Tyler Ladd not here, Andrew White the third, and John Gillen not here. So just what you can say about you know, what this team did. I mean, you guys had to play with sometimes just your starters, sometimes five and a half guys. Barama wasn't 100% or Matthew Moyer wasn't 100%. Six guys, seven max. Just what you can say about everything that you did this year so far with this team to get to 20 wins when obviously it's it's difficult to do when you got a lot of guys playing 40 minutes. I mean, like I said before, we fight. Um, guys stepped up on different nights. Um, every every person on this team plays with so much heart, and they never give up. And when when sometimes at times we're shorthanded and stuff like that, if you're playing with that much heart, you're always going to be in the game. So that's what, that's all I can say for that. This team's made no excuses this entire season. Just what you can say about the heart of this team. I mean, uh, these guys don't give up. We don't care what the scoreboard is, what it says. Uh, we were down by almost 20, and we, we brought it down to nine. So uh, we just we, we, we never give up, and unfortunately today we just didn't make enough, nearly enough shots. So. And then lastly, for me, just what you can say, I asked Frank, if the committee was sitting in front of you right now, what would you want them to know about a 20-13 and 13 Syracuse team this season? I mean, it was one of the best straight the schedules we played. 
in a, in a, in a while. Um, one minute. We're in. We're in every game, and we can. We can. We can literally beat anyone. We we've proven that. We've we've been in games with, in games in North Carolina. Uh, they're a really good team. Um, and we, we, we continue to improve. Our defense is getting better and stuff like that. And uh, we just keep on fighting, and, that, and that's all that matters. That coming once again from Tyus Battle of the Syracuse Orange. And that will close out today's broadcast live from Brooklyn, New York, with Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. I want to thank all my guests that were on the show today, Ray Spaulding and Dwayne Sutton of Louisville, Terrence Mann of Florida State, Alric Freeman of NC State, Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman once again from Boston College, T.J. Gibbs Jr. and Rex Fluger from Notre Dame, Justin Bibbs from Virginia Tech, and as always, Pascal Chuku, O'Shea Brissett, Matthew Moyer, Barama Sidibe, Frank Howard, and Tyus Battle of Syracuse, who continues to battle and hope for an opportunity at 20 and 13 of getting into the NCAA tournament. And I hope that they live to see another day because these guys have fought their behinds off this season for sure. I also want to thank Craig Forth and Daywan Coleman, our Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum, that grace the stage today, every single day of championship week's uh, wake-up call with Dan Tortora live broadcast feature for the last three years, at least one former Syracuse basketball player in every episode, and we've kept that going this season. And so I want to thank Craig Forth and Daywan Coleman today. I want to thank Craig for being a part of the show for the first time ever. I also want to thank... Looking Glass events, if you have an event coming up, any event that you have, planning your event is just made easier and even more fun and exciting by calling 315-702-4653. That is 315-702-4653. For Kira Wasserbach, make sure you give her a call, show her some love. When it comes to event planning, listen, it gets crazy, it gets busy, it gets nuts. You want to make the right phone call, and that phone call is to 315 315- 702-4653 in Central and Upstate New York. Give Kira a call. And I want to give a special thanks to Ryan Hall, Syracuse Silver Knights head coach, for being on the show today. It's been a while, and, you know, not for the fact that we don't want to talk with each other. We have both been insanely busy and all with positive stuff. Syracuse Silver Knights are in the playoffs, and they have their first game of the playoffs this Thursday today, March 8th, 7.05 p.m. Eastern time. Syracuse take on the Baltimore Blast. I very much implore you to go to the on-center War Memorial Arena. It's not going to break your bank, and it's going to be an amazing experience. Every single person that I've sent or brought to the games for the Syracuse Silver Knights have told me that it's exciting, it's entertaining, it's better than they thought it would be. They didn't know it was going to be that good. They didn't know it was going to be fun. They didn't know it was going to be like that, and they want to come back. 100% of the people that I brought want to go back. Thursday, March 8th, today at 7.05 p.m. Eastern Time. If you've been there before, go back. If you haven't been there before, now's the time to go. Silver Knights are in the playoffs for Syracuse, and they're facing the Baltimore Blast, who are the reigning national champion. They have this game at home and then a game on the road. If they win at home tonight and on the road, then they will move on. If they split at 1-1, then they will play a mini-game on Sunday, March 11th, right after their game. And that's not what Syracuse wants to do. And they've been put in this position before with Baltimore, and they're hoping that they can take care of business and slam the door for good in these first couple games. Go out and support your Syracuse Silver Knights tonight, Thursday, March 8th, at 7.05 p.m. Eastern Time at the On Center War Memorial Arena as they fight to move forward in the postseason against the reigning national champions. God bless you all. Have a great day. You'll find Wake Up Call on Facebook at Wake Up Call DT, Twitter at Call DT, Instagram at Wake Up Call underscore DT, 
become a member for free on wakeupcalldt.com to listen, watch, read, and enjoy all of our shows, videos, articles, and more. And make sure that you become a member on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt so you can be connected with every single live broadcast from here on out. We'll continue here from Brooklyn. You will find me covering all the games of today, big games coming up on the docket for the ACC quarterfinals. We will have number one, Virginia, against number nine, Louisville at noon, and then number four, Clemson, will take on number 12, Boston College, a little bit after 2 p.m. Eastern time, and then we'll take a break, and the nightly games will be number two, Duke, against number 10, Notre Dame, at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and number three, Miami, facing off against number six, North Carolina, who won over Syracuse, and that game will be happening a little after 9 p.m. Eastern time tonight. And then you'll join me back here at 9 a.m. Eastern time on Friday, March 9th, to do the annoying moment of the week, followed by significant sound bites, my sit-down conversation with ACC Commissioner John Swafford, and then continuing the Syracuse alum coverage, we'll have Terrence Roberts live on the show, Syracuse Orange men's basketball alum, and we will also feature all the interviews that I do from today's games. So with that being said, plenty to come up, plenty more. As always, Wake Up Call dares to be different and appreciate you listening in. God bless you all. Have a good day. And buy your CNY Pop Festival tickets at cnypopfestival.com while supplies last. We have a limited amount of the May the 4th Be With You promo, limited amount of VIPs. Do it right now. Have a great day.